welcome to episode 116 of the Anime Arcade Podcast. My name is Jeff. Oh, wait, no, sorry. This is Logan, and I'm here with Carlos. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, Jeff was here for this podcast today, but he had to dip out a little bit early because he had family stuff going on. Um, so I hope I did my best Jeff impression. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you got to get the you got to get the deep, you know, the sexy voice. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh god, I can't do that. Wait, I Yo. you did throw me out though. Like I was like, wait, no, you're not Jeff. <laughs> so he got me too, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, um, I we heard that you guys like long podcasts, so we made sure to make the last you know three podcasts at least three and a half hours long. So uh, yeah, this was a long one, but yeah. but we we crammed yeah. together all of our all of our full uh, thoughts into into one show that way uh going forward uh we have more time for other stuff uh but we hope you enjoy yes so i think without further ado thank you for listening enjoy the show like so long since we've done this <laughs> <laughs> we're uh we're finally doing one of our normal podcasts uh, since oh, we've gone to japan <laughs> i mean yeah when was the last normal podcast that we did i don't know it's been three in a row that we talked about japan <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it, it's probably last year when we had the first or the last normal ish podcast probably our uh draft cast honestly Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> hopefully this one isn't isn't another. How long was the last one? I I still haven't <gasps> finished getting through the uh, first Japan trip podcast. I think it was almost four hours long. Holy shit! I'm so sorry, yeah. listeners. I hope, I hope you, you guys. To me, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Logan. <laughs> sorry, Logan. Yeah, I mean, it, I I hope I hope it's. I hope you learn things from us. You know, hopefully it's fun to listen to anyway, because it is, they're long, but um, we hopefully impart some wisdom on you as to how you may enjoy your trip to Japan. Yeah. It's actually like, yeah, I think it's, it's really informative and, you know, a fun way to kind of learn about fun stuff to do. Um, and I know my mom listened to the podcast uh, since she was like the only one at her workplace this week or this past week. And uh, we started planning like a family trip to Japan. Very cool. And nice, yeah, dude. Being able to kind of show them some stuff and give them some ideas has been. Uh, what does she think of the helpful. cast? I mean, is, does she typically listen, or I, I'm, uh, I just think it's funny that your mom she, listens. Uh, she typically listens. She listens every now and then. I, I am terribly um, sorry for all the hentai references. <laughs> <laughs> she was uh, uh, not mortified. She said, "What did she say?" Um, you're an adult now, so it's okay that you swear. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I learned from Carlos. He's a sailor. <laughs> you bastard. You threw me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, my, uh, oh God, what was it? it fifth live. Fourth, no, fourth live? Fourth live or fifth live? I, I, when I went to Japan, um, 
I, I swore I had told my whole family where I was going, but I guess my sister, well, the one that I'm kind of uh, the closest with, because, you know, we've been together pretty much all our lives, uh, like, didn't know where I was, and she was like, she's like, I didn't know where you were, and then when I found out, I just started listening to your podcast, and I'm like, oh, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny. I, I don't know, because I think the cat's out of the bag now, and, and some of my coworkers know about this cast, but it's it was always kind of a worry for me um, when it got out that I podcasted, and then they wonder, what's your podcast? And then they subscribe, and I'm like, is this going to come back to bite me in my professional <laughs> circle <laughs> Absolutely. now? I mean, I don't know that I say anything, you know, hello, uh, you know, colleague, hello. <laughs> if you're listening, but, um, shout out, shout out to yeah. Jeff Pierce. And, um, I, I hope I don't say anything that could get me in trouble on the podcast, but no, who knows? I, I think you're probably the tamest of the three of us. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I think you're out in an Island on your own, Carlos. I think Logan. That's and I true. Tamed. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, you, I yeah, you are the one always talking about doing anti podcast. Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, eh. <laughs> I was, I, you're not wrong. I was a sailor. I mean, I guess I, like it's if not anything, an indictment. If anything, praise. If anything's gonna bite me in the ass, it's the Facebook post I made when I was like a nineteen. Like, well, no, not nineteen. No, no, like you're... twenty to twenty to twenty some odd year old sailor when I got drunk and would post to yeah. If anything's gonna come back and bite me in the ass, it's those. It's not this. Your presidential run is ruined. Yeah, Carlos. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. By the time you're old enough to run for president, I would hope people ha have stopped throwing stones at that point because I oh, think everyone I has. Think you're kidding yourself. <laughs> I mean, I would love have to you think not so. Seen but anything? What's the age uh, again? Now, 45? now there's 40, like the elderly, 35. the elderly folks who never really got into social media when they were younger. Certainly, don't have those things that people can look back on and blame them for. Well, they do, mm. but it's just harder to find. But like. 20 years from now, pretty much all the adults are going to have some skeletons that are going to be very easily dug up in their closet. <laughs> and I just hope people are going to be like, you know, maybe I shouldn't throw stones because what if they find out about that thing that I did when I was 19 years old? <laughs> <laughs> that yaoi fan fiction I wrote. And oh, God. No, that's one thing. So, like, I, you know, growing up, I, I think we've mentioned this on the cast before, so I won't belabor it too much. But, like, growing up, you know, in the era before the internet, like, as a kid, I didn't have mm. the internet. So I was, you know, for a while I was an English major. So I was a kid who liked to write and I got into anime mm. right around the time I liked to write. So let's just say <laughs> there were some fan fictions that I made. Um, that, oh, Carlos, that, do tell. That were in journal format, like in notebooks. Oh. And then when uh -huh. I found those things, I fucking threw them into a fireplace. No! <laughs> <laughs> so I, I sympathize with the kids like today who are like just getting into anime because like and like especially the creative ones because, you know, they're they're writing stuff. They're drawing stuff that might not be great. And yeah. they're putting it on these platforms that are it, it. You're not getting them off those platforms. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the only maybe the first and the only fan fiction i ever wrote as a kid was actually a starcraft fan fiction and it was about um the zerg were taking over my planet and i was trying to write like a post-apocalyptic kind of thing and oh, it, jeff that actually sounds kind of cool i, I like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine were like i like mine never involved me it was all like and you remember this was in the, the age of tsunami so it was like dragon ball fanfics or or tenchi fanfics sure. or fucking outlaw star fanfics so um <laughs> 
Yeah, that sounds much better than what I wrote. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I can't promise it was actually any good. But <laughs> before before the the audience starts asking us, because I don't remember, I honestly don't remember. I blocked that shit from my memory. Uh, what I wrote. Um, let's get into uh, seasonal reviews because <laughs> because. We are uh, uh, only uh, Chuck's watch uh, halfway into uh, the winter season, so oh, more than halfway. <laughs> more than halfway, you're not wrong. <laughs> when this podcast finally comes out, people will be thinking it's the winter season reviews. Nope, it's the fall season reviews. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to apologize for. Yeah, but hopefully, hopefully, you guys haven't forgotten about all the shows we're about to talk about uh, today. Oh, and yeah. uh, we should also mention, and you know, we do apologize for this. I know, you know. When we started doing the drafts and all that stuff, we said that there were going to be stakes. Uh, we're going to take a mulligan on this season because there's a lot of shows we could not get to because of um, the holidays, uh, planning for the trip and the trip. And then for me, finals on top of that. So uh, there's a few shows that are not going to show up. Um, did we want to go? Why over don't those? we get those? Yeah. Like, why don't we get those out of the way now? I'll just start with um, Young Disease Outburst Boy, which was a show that. I was kind of excited to see when I um, <laughs> drafted it. I'll be honest with you. I think I would probably never want to watch anime again if I forced myself to get through that show. It, <laughs> uh, that bad, huh? It, it's not that it... I, like, I, I know there's an audience for it. It's <clears throat> just that some of the characters in that show were so over, genki, obnoxious, crazy, like, off the wall that I just couldn't handle it. And I think it's definitely aimed for maybe a more of a female fan base it's it's a reverse harem it's mm. one girl with a bunch of guys i only i'll be honest i only watched the first few episodes and i i just i have to take a step away from that show i could there's no way i could force myself through it so sorry for anyone who is looking forward to my thoughts on that i don't know if there's too many of you out there but i do apologize <laughs> um i can see why someone would like it but i it's not a show for me <laughs> uh, and then for me i just completely forgot that Azure lane existed <laughs> um, I wasn't hearing great things about it. Uh, I enjoyed the mobile game when I played it, and the girls were cute. But yeah, I just didn't have the time to get to that one. And then we never learned. Two was the other show I drafted that I just never found the time to get to. Um, and if we wait any longer on this review cast, then we might as well just review next season. Yeah, yeah. So. We might as well do do a. It would be a three part um review for uh fall and fall of 2019 winter 2020 um for me like i i i was lucky uh in that i had watched most of what i had uh the well okay the three shows i'm going to review today one of them is a holdover from summer uh and then the other two i'd watched enough of them to where it was pretty fairly easy to binge um i was also super lucky in that fate go babylonia and shihaya furu are both carryovers into next season mm. So, despite the fact I've only watched like two episodes of Chaiyafuru, I know I'm a really bad Chaiyafuru fan, um, <laughs> and uh, I've watched like 10 episodes of Fate Go Babylonia, maybe 12, 10, 12, I, I don't remember where I stopped, I'll have to look, I'll have to probably go back and watch like the last episode I watched. Uh, I'm probably not going to get to Kabu Kichu Kicho Sherlock, that's like, I haven't watched one single episode of that of that show so that's just that's out the window if it's great let me know i'll maybe i'll binge it um but i haven't really heard anything about it and i'm trying to i'm actually trying to keep up with my shows this season so mm. um and i don't i don't think 
like binging shows usually is a really big deterrent for me wanting to watch uh shows week to week i think um looking forward to the uh this coming up season i think you guys are going to have a lot of shows to look forward to that all three of us watched i'm already kind of seeing at least a handful of shows that the three of us are keeping up with so um look forward to that should be fun yeah. um yeah okay so uh all right. So yeah, that that's that's pretty much it. So so this time around you're only getting one review cast instead of two. So yay, rejoice. Um, <laughs> and uh again, Q four hour review cast. Exactly. Somehow. Yeah. Well, I mean I, and and the other thing I was going to say is um uh we might <laughs> miss some stuff because again, we watched a lot of these before and then some after um uh, the trip to Japan. So if our memory is a little muddy, uh, we apologize. Yeah. A couple of these are uh, two course as well. So, I mean, the beginning of a couple of these shows we're about to talk about was, you know, six months ago plus. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, I'll go first. Um, the first show that uh, I'm going to talk about is um, The Hero is Overpowered but overly cautious. Uh, this shows by uh, Kadokawa, um, or it's uh, the studio's Kadokawa, or I'm sorry, studio's White Fox. It's producers of Kadokawa. Uh, I'm already messing up. <laughs> I'm sinking. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was directed by uh, Masayuki uh, Sakoi. Um, and yeah, this one, I, I went into it kind of just expecting a, a dumb over-the-top uh isekai comedy and for the most part that's what i got uh the the story revolves around uh, a guy named uh seiya um they my anime list has a last name for him but honestly they just use his first name the whole damn time uh seiya is um well i, I guess it starts out with uh, a, a goddess named uh restart um and she is uh like a, a like kind of like a newer like up and coming goddess and she's assigned by lottery an s rank world to save like an s like the like the the worlds that are in danger are you know ranked and she got like the hardest world to save uh so she summons seiya uh from japan i guess uh to uh to save this world uh and seiya is like ridiculously powerful he comes with like when he's summoned he's summoned with like all these great abilities and stuff like that but seiya is the kind of you know rpg hero who will or the type of rpg player who i, I think in the beginning they make the joke that like he buys like three pairs of armor one to wear one just in case and one just in case a just in case breaks or something like that <laughs> and like he'll spend like tons of time uh you know leveling up before he's you know ready to fight bosses and stuff like that um what do you call it he uh, uh throughout through a lot of the a lot of the the beginning of the anime is um they go to the world you know the s-rank world and like i guess i should mention time moves slower in the the god's realm than it does on like the planet so like whenever he goes up in levels like he's not he's like spending like an hour or two up there in you know an isekai heaven or whatever <laughs> <laughs> um 
and uh, it, like it, it'll be like he'll go up there, train, 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 come back down, fight and beat the boss. But it's done in a really slapstick manner. Like, um, for example, he at one point he goes up uh, to to heaven, and like there's a god of of like fighting. Like a he was a human, but he you know he was a, he's such a hero that he like he rose to the status of godhood, and like every time restart goes to check on say uh like the this god of fighting is less and less willing to fight and like to the point where like he's so wore out by Seiya that he wants to become a baker or something like that um and like this happens with other gods too there's a a god named uh Aden- Adenella who's uh like the literal god of war who is like a uh i don't know like a stalkery girl who Saya makes fall in love with him, but he's an asshole to her. <laughs> Saya is kind of a, like that's another thing I should mention. Saya is just an absolute asshole, like, like wow. an irrit, like not like mean, but like cold. You know, like not really not, emotionless. There you go. Um, okay, and that's played for comedy, and it works sometimes, and other times it doesn't. Uh, yeah. So he trains with her. He trains with like uh, an archery goddess who's a nymphomaniac, which that was interesting um along the way you know this is just being an isekai he gains um companions i guess in erudu and mash who are like two dragonkin who are kind of assigned to him (coughs) and you know seiya being the kind of cold guy that he is uh pretty much relegates them to carrying his shit uh because he's overpowered so he's like yeah i don't need you guys uh you guys just you guys carry my stuff and i'll kill everything um yeah later on in the series it's kind of hinted at that like so this is my problem with the show uh if it was just going to be slapstick comedy i would have been like okay this is just uh i mean it whether or not the comedy lands with you will determine whether or not you like this show uh later on in the show it starts to get a little bit more serious and we get a little bit like some hints of this with Seiya. Um, like restart finding out that Seiya's like uh, he's already at max. Like at a, cer- at a certain point, he's already at max level. Uh, so there's there's no way he can train himself more, but the challenges are getting harder. So he's having to compensate for people. And uh, we also see in like <coughs> Eridu and Mash's like little story arc where they um go to like a dragonkin village and they're they're being taught you know all this different stuff that eridu is meant to be a sacrifice to bring about say a sword that'll help him beat the the demon king or whatever um and say like sacrifice like uh, sacrifices the evil uh queen lady who was going to sacrifice eridu instead and gets a lesser sword but plays it off like he got you know the sword he was looking for um mm. so like he does all these things that are like are nice but you know like in a I mean, he's again he's kind of a cold guy so he kind of tries to play it off um so there are hints of like seriousness uh mixed in with the slapstick comedy and this is where i had the problem is it does that thing where it's like if you're going to try and like if you're going to, to hit us with slapstick early and then be like like no he's but it's serious don't immediately cut to slapstick because that's what they do a lot a lot a lot a lot like they'll have these really <laughs> serious moments at at one point and, and i guess this is where i throw up the spoiler warnings um it is uh well, i guess it's told to us that uh 
uh, Ristart was uh, the goddess was a human and Saya was a human on the same world as her and they were both on this world and this one goddess who who had been um um who had been helping them out this whole time Ariador uh she was the goddess who was helping them on their hero's mission um and like uh Saya at that point when he was a human back then was not over overly cautious he was like he was the kind of hero who just liked to rush into everything and you know fuck it it'll work itself out eventually so in their final battle with their demon king um it's revealed that Ristart as a human was pregnant with Saya's kid and she dies and like he gets every like Saya gets everyone killed in that party uh because he was you know he was headstrong he rushed into uh, so that's why he was reincarnated as someone who's overly cautious. Ristart was like reincarnated as a goddess. And that's a really serious moment that immediately gets kind of ruined by slapstick. <laughs> it's just Jeez. like, why? <laughs> just stick to one. God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's emotional tone whiplash uh, for sure. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of characters I haven't introduced. Um, Ishtar is, is a character in this show, but she's uh, portrayed as like a motherly figure um uh there's um rosalie who's a uh a princess uh, of like one of the big kingdoms that's holding off the, the demon king but she's headstrong and say i can't stand her because you know she's basically what he used to be even though he doesn't remember his uh his past life um yeah i i mean you know, just another kind of just spoiler. Uh, like, Saya does die at the end of this one. It's it. It's actually like like a lot of it. it <coughs> like they actually try to play it. Um, uh, fairly, like they try and play up like the emotional side of it. But like I said, it sounds like you said. I mean, when when they give you such emotional whiplash and they can't really keep you on one track as far as how they want you to feel sometimes it can really make it hard to care enough about the character when something like that happens and they want you to be emotional um it makes it hard to care i guess at least in my experience and that almost sounds like what you're kind of describing here yeah i mean i yeah it's i i found it hard to like because i i if if it wasn't just constant like if if they had gotten to the reveal of you know restart and say his uh past life and all that stuff and then like it it kind of changed gears like they stopped being these you know ridiculous caricatures of of i don't know i guess they're not humans of um i guess humans um that i i would have been okay with it <laughs> but it's just i don't know uh i I, and I like, I like, you know, you know, I like over the top comedy, but I, I don't like the the change in tones and all that kind of stuff. It's hinted at the very end that uh, Ristart uh, gets, re- uh, will, will be reunited with Saya. Um, at the end, uh, Saya uses this like really powerful god technique that uh, he learned from uh, Valkyrie, uh, another goddess of war, uh, who like he uses it twice like once should have killed him and it almost did but then he uses it a second time and it literally pulls his body apart like not 
physically like he just kind of disappears um that'd be kind of brutal but um (laughs) (laughs) but uh uh mash and and uh editu they you know they're both knighted and you know they're part of uh rosalie's uh guard or whatever the hell um and Ristart goes back to the the goddess realm and and she's given kind of uh a note with heroes information on it uh and she starts crying and it's like okay that's probably say has been reborn or something um but yeah i i find it hard to to say i could ever recommend this to anybody because it feels like like when i came, when i was done with the show i felt like i don't i didn't really gain anything having watched it <laughs> like this is a show that <clears throat> if if i remember anything about it it'll be the why moments <laughs> and it won't be anything else like uh, why did i have to like why did i have to know that Ristart was like pregnant there was like really no not a whole lot of romantic tension between those characters to begin with yeah it's just i don't know it was uh baffling and uh yeah. and with that i think i could uh, pretty confidently score this uh, ah, see i did have some fun with this show yeah, but not enough. One point five out of five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just wasn't that great. Well, it sounds like a dud. Yeah, it's you know, it's hard. Comedy is really hard because, especially if you're trying to craft like a story along with it, um, you a show needs to either take itself seriously or not. <laughs> um, and sometimes you can inject little bits of comedy, but it sounded like the show just did not get the balance down at all, uh, based on what you were describing. So, yikes. Um, the characters look cute anyway. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's just not enough. Yeah, sometimes that just doesn't carry the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, oh, sorry that one wasn't better for you, man. <laughs> it's all good. Okay, I guess the next one is mine then. Uh, this is Fairy Gone, the second half. Um. Or Fairy Gone Season Two, or Fairy Gone Season One Part Two. Yeah, you were super you high on it. the first season, so yes, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the first season. Um, let me see if I can remember what I had it as. I don't have it on my anime list, so who knows? I think I gave it like a four and a half. Uh, that sounds about right to me. Um, I thought it was a, a very well done kind of political drama. Um about these fairy soldiers uh, who are soldiers that had fairy organs implanted in them so that they can kind of like call out these monstrous things to kind of help them fight. Um, and the second season kind of picks up or it does pick up right where the the first one ended off. There's just a big battle in like the capital. Um a coup of sorts that was kind of put down and um i guess the direction that the second half took was it kind of it's hard to really kind of pin down it kind of got away from what i thought made it good uh in the the first half I felt like a lot of the political intrigue kind of disappeared. Um, there was still politics and politicking and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but 
they I think focused more on how do I say it? The scale got kind of grander. Um but the main crux of the second half is that there's this thing called the Black Fairy Tome. Um which apparently if you are able to complete it, um it, it can give you, you know, untold power uh over, mm. you know, fairies in the world and stuff like that. And so um a faction kind of emerges that's trying to collect all of these fairy tomes. Um, and we find out that they're trying to resurrect like the progenitor fairy, uh, like uh, essentially like the closest the fairy can get to God to reset the world um, because they're a fanatical religious organization that works in the shadows kind of a thing. Uh, um, hmm. <laughs> How, how how did it pick up like how did you feel it did at picking up where it left off in season one were you like did you feel like it went it picked I mean, up right where it's left off or was there a yeah huge it picked gap, up right or? where it left off now okay I mean, this is it has a lot of names but it's essentially it's just one 24 episode anime mm-hmm. that they just kind of split into two different seasons gotcha okay um and the characters were still very enjoyable. Uh, the kind of main two are uh, Marlia Noel and Free Underbar. And uh, there's also a few other characters, Veronica Thorne, <coughs> um, the rest of uh, Marlia's kind of uh, unit, and uh, Dorothea, the, the organization that they work for. Um, yeah, the, the second half is just a lot of kind of like hunting down this black fairy tome, the various chapters and stuff, uh, all the factions that are kind of looking for it. Um, and then the religious organization eventually gains, you know, the entire thing. or the, like So essentially the there's this division of the government um i can't remember what it's called it's like the fairy something or other division um it's kind of like a a religious division uh the church essentially and the leader of that division marco bellwood uh turns out is the like cult leader um so he's been collecting all these black fairy tomes under the guise of you know protecting them uh for the state and for the government and all that. Uh, but as soon as he has all of them, he kind of disappears and goes about trying to resurrect this, you know, progenitor God, um, which he ends up doing. Um, and I don't know, like the, the focus seemed to shift in a way. Um, away from characters to more like you know doom world doom kind of scale like mm. the this I, I felt like the the scale was just way out of whack in this one uh the second half of the season um just felt far too grand for the story that they were trying to tell in the first half um at least for me i know there were a lot of people that enjoyed the second half more um, Interesting. 
But, yeah. Let me think. Hmm. I, I guess, like, as far as, like, the pacing and, and stuff, how did it feel? I mean, did it, did it feel like it continued along the same pace or did it slow yeah, down a the, lot? The, the pace it... felt, the pace felt good. Okay. Um, everything like outside of how I feel like mm-hmm. the story kind of went, uh, was, was really good. Uh, this is done by PA works. Um, so it looked yeah. really good. Cool. Uh, there were, uh, like the CG fairies, which I know a lot of people did not like. Um, I, still enjoyed kind of their <sighs> jarring contrast to the rest of the show because uh, yeah. they are kind of unnatural. I think there's always going to be those people that just hate CG because it's CG. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it it seems, seems like no matter how well CG is done, people hate it. Like some people hate it. I don't know. Sure. But. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just an art form so, that they just refuse to accept. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt like, if they had kind of focused more on like, I, I guess I don't know. It's, it's an anime original. So the story, there's nothing to base it off of. Um, I felt like they just kind of lost focus and they were trying to go for too grand of a scale for what the show was good for hmm. uh, in the end. But the, the characters were really enjoyable. Um, and it, the action was really good, and it looked really good. Uh, the music was great. But, I don't know. I just kind of, you know, at the end of it was like, slightly confused, I guess. Yeah, it almost sounded like maybe they did a better job with, you know, on a small scale with the characters. But when they tried to build it out to a larger world, maybe, they, do you feel like they didn't do enough world building to really support expanding things like the way they did and maybe they should have just um, kept I mean, it maybe, smaller scale yeah. I, um, they they do like they throw around a lot of like you know names of places and stuff that we just never see hmm. um so there's i have no no idea you know how big this world actually is or you know where these places actually are that kind of thing um but like i feel like the places that they actually do interact with are very well fleshed out um i just wish i guess that they had just kind of gone a different route um maybe it's just the whole you know church is the bad guy and there's some you know all-powerful being that is going to destroy the world now for some reason um i don't know it just didn't do it for me i guess yeah, that's disappointing. You never like to yeah. see a show that you really like kind of peter out like that. But yeah, um, you know, yeah, I guess it happens. It happens that? unfortunately more than more than we like for it to happen in anime. <laughs> um, man, how do I score this? Uh, like I feel like I've been talking pretty negatively about it, but. Mm. It's not like I hated the show in any way. I actually, you know, did enjoy it for the most part. I was just kind of baffled a little bit by how it ended, uh, the direction they took. Um, and I can't stress enough how much the characters really kind of make the show. Um, I really loved Merlia and Free. Um, there's a, there's even like a little bit at the end where 
it's kind of I don't know. I like to take it as they're a couple now because that's the kind of thing I like to, uh, you know, cool think about. Um, I think I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. Um, Solid. So, I mean, I, I think as it's much as you show. enjoyed the first season, I figure that would carry into the second season, even if there were yeah. some things that weren't as, you know, sure. strong for you. Yeah. I think it's worth a look, but, you know, maybe temper those expectations a little bit. Cool. Right on. Okay. Um, ready? Ready for the next one? Yes, I'm always <laughs> ready for this roller coaster. Uh, going from Fairy Gone, we're going into a club show. Oh, uh, Stars Align or Hoshii no Sora uh, is a show that I drafted because I was looking for a kind of low key club show, feel good kind of the the art style and everything of the show kind of attracted me because it felt kind of. Um, I don't want to say Suki Suki Uh It felt like soft pastelli, um, kind of. It felt like it would be a feel good show. Uh, boy, was I surprised. <laughs> um, in some ways, Stars Align was a feel good show. In other ways, it was a very <laughs> much not feel good show. Uh, but essentially, it it revolves around something. I was expecting a tennis show. I didn't realize that there was anything called soft tennis. Apparently, this is like the JV tennis. It's like, you know, tennis for babies or something because <laughs> they, they use like a different kind of ball that's softer huh. so people don't get hurt and it's played in pairs. Um, and at first, that kind of turned me off because I was like, why didn't you, why, why not just tennis? I mean, tennis is a fine sport. Why did we have to go and do the soft tennis thing? I don't know if it's a Japanese thing or maybe it's more popular than I realize. I just never heard of it. But, um, you know, middle school group, uh, you know, soft tennis club, uh, essentially at this school, the boys soft tennis club is pretty much in, it, it's about to be disbanded. It, they suck. Uh, they don't win any games. None of the members have any motivation to play. Uh, the school's known for their girls team, uh, and the girls team is very competitive. The boys team is just terrible. Um, and the kind of one of the leads, he wants to save the team. So he's trying to whip everyone up and, and get them all motivated. Uh, and he is trying to recruit this new kid uh, named Maki, who's kind of the main character of the show, um, to, you know, because he feels like he he got potential to, because he's Maki's very kind of um, uh, naturally athletic. And, and he feels like, you know, that Maki's got chance to maybe revive the team um and so you know after some you know a after some kind of co coursing including offering to pay him to join the club and, and give him like a salary to to play for this team because uh the i forget what is his name uh toma it apparently comes from a relatively affluent family and he's got money to pay maki who um it doesn't have so much money. Uh, Maki finally agrees to join the team. Um, and so at this point, like I felt like it was going to be like your traditional kind of sports show. They start off sucking really bad and then they eventually get to be a lot better. Uh, it, it, the show focuses basically almost entirely on the students and the kids that are in this club and their home life and their family with the 
soft tennis being kind of off to the side and more of like, I guess, a MacGuffin, keeping them going forward and keeping them together. Uh, <clears throat> every single kid in this soft tennis club's family is awful. Their parents are are awful, like awful in the sense that like they pour boiling water on their children. They beat the shit out of their children. Holy shit. Okay. They, they wish that their kids were, you know, were not their kids. They like every single parent in the show minus I think one is awful. Um, <laughs> and so it really, really, it was hard at first because it just felt so melodramatic. It was like each episode you had to, you had to see like, how bad this next kid's family is, you know? Um, Maki, for example, the main character, and I don't want to bring you guys through all of the terrible <laughs> stories of how bad these kids have it at home. Um, but, you know, Maki's family, uh, and his mom actually is probably the one good parent in the entire show. Uh, and his mom is split from the father, and the father basically is a deadbeat, comes back essentially to beat the crap out of Maki, and the mom and take money from them basically <laughs> um so maki's mom is a single mom um who is working really hard to make things work for both of them uh with this kind of like dad who is off to the side kind of just causing problems for them and so that kind of sets up why maki is in the financial position that him and his mom are in um but then you've got like some kids in the team like i said that some of them physically abusive some of the parents are like just overbearing and they're like i don't want you doing tennis i want you to just do focus on your studies um tennis is a big waste of time uh and then they just like cause all kind of havoc for them because they want to play tennis uh you know basically a lot of like you're not allowed to do that because it's not the right thing to do you should do what i'm telling you to do kind of stuff so a lot of it was also kind of mental and emotional abuse that the kid, poor kids were going through i'm like the writer of this show must have had a really bad home life um <laughs> But overall, kind of the the theme I saw with a lot of them was basically trying to go with like, a, you know, follow your own path, do what makes you happy, do what you want to do. And the show actually had like kind of a lot of progressive tones to it, which is unusual in anime. There was a character who was um, a, uh, he was having gender identity confusion issues. Um and he was, you know, he was a boy, but he was feeling he like he felt more comfortable dressing up like as a girl. And um, and Maki ended up being kind of the anchor for a lot of these kids that helped them get through some of these these kind of things that they were going through and at home or whatever. And Maki, I'm I felt like because his mom was one of the only good parents in the show, Maki was one of the only like emotionally stable kids in the show, which kind of just it was it was weird man and and it just felt super melodramatic but um from there uh as a soft tennis team they started to you know make strides and get a little better and they faced off against a, a team that was quite good in like a practice match and they met this other guy who at first he comes across as like you can imagine like anytime you watch a sh sports show there's like the hot shot like super talented arrogant guy you know uh -huh. he's got like other members of the team fanning him and rubbing his shoulders before the <laughs> match and stuff you know and so this kid like immediately you're like what a douchebag this kid is right um it turns out this kid ended up being like one of the coolest characters in the show, which I thought was really fun because like he, he 
kind of respects them. Like, you know, his weakness on the tennis court was his arrogance, of course. Um, and he learns how to get better and trust his teammate through a match with Maki and Toma, who were essentially the two main, you know, characters on the show. The rest of the team never won a game. Uh, they got close a couple times. Uh, Maki and Toma were essentially the aces for the school, and they ended up actually progressing and getting to the point where they were challenging some of the other, uh, you know, some of the other schools. But uh, this guy ended up being a cool character because he was impressed by and learned from Maki and Toma went through his match with them that he needed to be more humble. And then he ended up kind of rooting for them in matches and like a tournament, which the show ended with like a tournament um, where Maki and Toma ended up doing really well and facing off against like these twins who were like the, oh my God, these are the, uh, you know, the best soft tennis players in the country kind of deal. Um, and spoilers, didn't beat the twins, but it was a really super good match. Um, and of course, another, you know, the twins again were, uh, you know, really thrown off. They're like, you know, they they were almost beat and they got it together and they slapped each other in the face and they're like, wake up, we need to win. Because they were <laughs> underestimating like the lesser team. Regardless, the sports aspect of the show was lacking. However, I felt like it was the high point of a show that was overall really melodramatic and depressing, um, which actually felt good to me because I felt like with these kids, you know, if I put aside the fact that this is really unrealistic, that this group of kids, every single one of them would have such enormously abusive parents, assuming that this is actually something that happened, these kids were getting like their actual <laughs> the happiness in their life from the tennis sport, you know? Um, so it was kind of cool that the show, that was the happy part of the show and the, the part that kind of lifted me up after and between each of the stories about how bad their family life is. Cause it fe felt like, you know what, this is what these kids, th this is how it is for these kids too. Like they're all miserable at home. <laughs> and when they go to school, they actually are enjoying life through this, you know, these tennis matches and, um, this friendship that they're building with each other. Uh, it ends with uh, the last scene of this show. I don't want to spoil it, but, uh, I really hope that they do something more with this show because it, it just can't end that way. It, it, it can't end that way. <laughs> so, um, um, I guess I will spoil it. So if you're interested in watching the show, I actually would recommend the show. I thought it was, I thought it was really, I thought it was kind of an emotional roller coaster. And while you can, if you can get over the melodramatics, I thought it was really a feel good show, um, in the end. And, uh, I'm excited to see where the story goes. I hope they can continue it. The last scene of the show is Maki standing outside of his father's apartment with a knife in his hand. Like, Holy he's going to go in and shit. kill him. Okay, that took a turn. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it it uh, Essentially, Maki and Toma do really well against these twins. It, again, super feel-good moment, right? And then it ends with um, Toma calls his mom. He's really excited. And uh, he's like, you know, mom, we did really well. We were in the mom's like... I can finally tell and during the match, like you saw the mom was speaking with like his older brother and you weren't quite sure what they were talking about. And the mom's like, I can finally tell you, Maki, I finally don't have to hide my feelings anymore. You're worthless to me. And I can finally give you up as the son that I never wanted. <laughs> this, this poor kid who was excited about his tennis match, his mom just told him he's a worthless piece of crap and she never wanted him <laughs> and she never wants to talk to him again. Well, um, which, which kid is this? The this is the, the more affluent kid. The, oh, the, one of the two. Not okay. the one with the good mom, the single mom. 
Um, was the good mom? Maki? The, Maki was the one with the good mom. Tom, okay, Tomo I think you said Maki partner. was the one that got... Oh, okay. No, Tomo was like all excited. Okay. Uh, okay. And his mom tells him basically like, I never wanted you and you've done nothing but make my life miserable. And um, And Maki uh, goes home finds that there's like broken glass on the floor and uh you know is like okay i'm fed up he goes to the store buys a butcher knife and then the show ends with him standing outside his father's door uh <laughs> basically like he's gonna kill him um so i want to know what happens obviously <laughs> <laughs> um this show actually surprised me it really did i i was expecting this to be a really difficult show to get through um i kind of stalled out at around the four five six episode mark and i'm like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to finish this um but i'm glad i did because it really it 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 was a good show it, it i actually felt like it was a good show the art style um i thought it was really well produced the art style was really good the music was phenomenal in the show uh it did repeat some kind of the background tracks i mean it was kind of that typical like you know these emotional moments it keeps playing the same song but luckily that song was pretty good um and uh honestly it if i think the show would have been phenomenal if they didn't overdo it with the dramatics with all of the other members of the school like if they just focused on maki's home life and maybe toma's and like the other kids, you know, maybe they hinted that there was some stuff going on, but they didn't dedicate like entire, like super depressing episodes to how terrible life is for these other kids. I felt like this show would have, would have been the perfect balance. Um, uh, unfortunately, it was super melodramatic. Uh, there was also some controversy with this show too. I just feel like I have to mention with the ending um, that we, we had like a little discussion in the discord about it, like earlier on in the season where the show stole dances from like kids on social media oh, and yeah. animated them. I forgot about that. <clears throat> and it's so stupid because like that ending just, it was stupid. The ending was dumb. Like there was no reason why these kids would be dancing in the end. Uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't even like it was like worth it, you know, it was just a stupid controversy. And while I like don't necessarily blame the studio, I'm sure it was just a couple animators who were just told like animate kids dancing and they went and um, were like, okay, well we need something. And so they stole freaking crap off social media. Um, I'm thinking like that's, that sucks because like, I don't know. The ending wasn't even good. <laughs> I mean, the music was good, but the actual ending was just dumb. It was just a bunch of kids dancing who you never see dance any other time in the entire show. But, um, yeah, I believe it or not, I actually like this show. Um, and I don't really know what the future of it holds because, uh, it sounds like, um, I read a little bit about it. It sounds like the the animators and the director and stuff expected to get another 12 episodes and they basically at the end of the season got hard cut off. And so they didn't even have time to kind of, you know, try to mm -hmm. hurry up and finish it, which I think is probably a good thing because most of the time that ends poorly when an animator goes and tries to rush it in the last episode and close the book on everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope, I doubt I doubt we'll ever see a continuation to this show and you probably have to read the manga, but um it would be really nice to see a season two for this. Uh otherwise, any questions? Uh apparently boiling pouring boiling water on a kid is like a thing in Japan. That's the second anime I've seen now where they pour like a mother hates their child and pours boiling water on them. 
Was the first one My Hero Academia? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Apparently, parents in Japan are super abusive. Guys, <laughs> don't believe don't believe all the hype that they're great and everything. Because apparently, according to the show, they are awful. Um. But yeah, I guess I guess I'll close it off. Stars align. Uh, a lot of, again, awesome production value. Looked great. Sounded great. Um. I just think if they could have toned down the melodramatics, it would have been a really a masterpiece of a show. Uh, I'll give it, all things considered, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Okay. Uh, it doesn't feel like a four to me. Um, I I personally, at the end of it, felt really good about the show, uh, but it was there was some glaring issues with it, so... I think I'm gonna have similar things to say about this one, although not not on the abuse side. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, that you can keep. Um, so this uh, this next show is is one of the ones that I drafted. Um, it's called uh, Ore Suki. Uh, Are you the only one who loves me? Or Ore wo Suki Nano wa Omae Dake Kayo. Uh, it is uh, was produced by Studio Connect. Um, the uh, director for this was uh, uh, Nori Noriaki uh, Akitaya, uh, and um, yeah. Uh, so this is a I don't know how to put it. I guess a romantic comedy, kind of. It's uh. it's weird, and get ready for some weird names. Um, so uh, this this show kind of centers around um, this guy, like. I'm not going to use any of the real names because like, the real names uh, like they don't use them at all in the show. Okay. Uh, so it, uh, it focuses around this guy. It, it, I'll say his like his real name is um, I know I just said I wouldn't, but just for the sake of argument, I'm because <laughs> yeah, they yeah, say yeah. it once at the very beginning. Amatsuyu uh, Kisaragi heretofore known as Joro. Uh, Joro is Joro, Joro is a, uh, Joro, which sounds like Choro, and if you're a, a Spanish speaker, uh, kudos. I hopefully <laughs> I made you laugh. Um, uh, Joro is a, um, a like high school student. Is a you know high school anime uh, who is kind of enamored with the idea that he's in a uh, uh, like a romance visual novel. And he's trying to figure out which of the girls, you know, he's going to make into his his main heroine. And he actually does say main heroine a few times. Um, we're, <laughs> we're introduced to uh, a few of the girls that are are kind of in his circle. Um, there's Aoi uh, Hinata. Or, Tell me he picks Aoi. I like her. He does not. He doesn't pick. <sighs> I mean, I'm going to spoil this right now. He doesn't pick anybody. <laughs> Um, oh, not yet. Come on, what the heck's wrong? With uh, <laughs> and the one he should pick, he doesn't pick. Uh, like, well, he doesn't pick anybody again. Uh, anyway, I'm just saying, like, this could have been over by like episode three. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Himawadi uh, is yeah, Hinata or Aoi's her nickname is Himawadi. Uh, is uh, Joro's uh, childhood friend. Um, she's you know very sporty, very very cute. Um, you know greets him in the morning by slapping him on the back like a psychopath like super hard it's really weird uh <laughs> then there's a uh, sakura uh akino um who's <laughs> I mean, here's where it starts getting weird whose nickname is cosmos 
They call oh, her Cosmo yeah. Senpai. Uh, she is the student council president. She's very, very proper, you know, prim proper, that kind of girl. Um, uh, and later on, like, I'll just kind of say it now because like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to say it. Uh, she has this weird quirk where when she's trying to be sneaky, she'll talk like a samurai. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, it's really weird. Nice. <laughs> like, like, like when they te- when they tell her to like, you know, like, oh, like I I can't really think of what exactly they say, but like, oh, don't mention this, or or like, oh, um, you know, like uh, pretend like you don't know what we're what you know what's going on like right now. She'll just kind of like like her pretend is you know talking like a samurai. Um, Okie dokie. And then there's uh, uh, Tayo Oga, uh, who is his who is his male friend who is uh, part of the. Uh, the baseball team and uh, his nickname is Sunchan, <laughs> like you know, like the sun. Um, <laughs> and uh, early on, um, Joro is kind of um, uh, like again trying to trying to figure out which of these two girls. Like I know, like if you're looking at the my anime list, you're like, but you know, but Carlos, there are several girls. I know, I'll get to them. Um, <laughs> it, it's these two right now. Um, he's trying to figure out which of those two is going to be his quote unquote main heroine. Um, and, uh, I, I believe it's Cosmos who ha- sits him down first on this bench, this bench, which will kind of become like this comedy thing where every time he sits on a bench, this bench and this bench appears everywhere in the weirdest fucking places. Um, like it's it's always like the precursor to disaster for Joro. Uh, the first time Cosmo sits him down and is like, you know, is hinting that she has something important to say to him. It's, you know, very heavily hinted that she's going to confess to Joro. Uh, it turns out she's like, she likes Sunshine um, because of an incident that happened the previous year at a baseball tournament. And that baseball tournament is something that comes up again and again. And again. It's a, it's, it's a, um, how should I say this? It's a like an aspect. It's like a, a thing that comes up in the show a lot. But I actually think they use it really, really well. Like this, like huh. like they'll sit down and they'll be like, "It all happened at the baseball, you know, the baseball tournament last year," and it's played for for laughs. But I think it actually works really well. And sometimes it is actually legitimately funny. Like because they don't do it every episode, so like they'll do it a lot in the first. They do it a lot in the first few arcs. And then when it comes back up in like episode, like, I don't know, like seven or eight, you're like, oh, shit, I forgot about that. That's funny. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so so Cosmos and, and Himawadi, they're they're both in love with Sunshine. And Joro being the, he, okay, so he's kind of a scumbag. Like, like Joro is kind of a scumbag. He's, he's very like, oh, in his head, he's a scumbag and kind of to a lesser extent, Outwardly, he's also a scumbag, but like he's actually, you know, he actually really cares about his friends. Um, so he's trying to help Cosmos and Aoi both at the same time because, you know, he can't say no to a pretty face. So he told them both <laughs> that he'd help him out. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and um, there's a third girl uh, that he eventually kind of gets around to to talking to um he he doesn't really know her yet but um her name is uh Sumideko uh Sancho Queen whose nickname is Pansy which is okay. yeah like the flower I, like, or? I guess I hope it's like the flower I hope it's not like you know like a a weak person uh yeah <laughs> but uh but uh Pan- Pansy tell like is 
she's the librarian and she's like you know kind of sneaky and uh, somewhat underhanded and she likes she likes Joro. Joro does not like her because she dresses down i guess to say like as plain as she possibly can um hmm. it turns out i'm just gonna kind of skip the th- this bit but turns out um uh you know they they find out like uh this is, yeah, i'll just skip over the whole thing so sunshine essentially was <laughs> was was playing jodo sunshine was like playing like he was like you know this really nice guy but he 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 essentially sets jodo up uh to you know as a fall guy to look like an asshole um and i mean yeah he is kind of an asshole but like not that bad so he's he uh, essentially becomes like a a pariah at the school um and uh what do you call it um yeah he actually ends up punching joro like you know to make a point um but pansy uh (laughs) it's funny saying that word anyway (laughs) <laughs> I, I guess I'll, I could say it their way, Panji. Uh, Panji. Uh, she um, uh, sets up Sunchan, like because she's like, Sunchan is in love with with uh, Panji. Uh, she's what? Yeah, he he's okay. in love with her, um, and he knows like Sunchan knows that Panji's in love with Joro, so you know he's that's why he set him up, um, and you know uh. Ponzi sets it up so that Himawadi, Cosmos, and Joro are all in the library when he basically admits this out loud. That, you know, that everything was a setup. <coughs> that, you know, Sanchan isn't the super nice guy that he appears to be, that he's actually an asshole. This okay. Everything else in the show, I I like there's a there's one other thing that I like that I was like, okay, that kind of sucks. But like this part, this part weirds me out. So Sanchan in this bit when when he's, you know telling ponzi you know like uh you know yeah i did this all this stuff basically admits that a he was thinking about and you know b he totally could force himself on ponzi because there's nobody else in the library and nobody ever goes to the library and they never bring that up again (sighs) like jordo comes out you know uh you know is is basically like you know hey you're an asshole and all this stuff and you know that it's also revealed that Cosmos and Himawari are there. Never again did they bring up the fact that this guy was literally considering rape. Um, but okay. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, Joro, you know, thanks uh, Ponzi. It's it's kind of hinted that like, okay, now he's going to kind of get on the straight and narrow. No, actually at the end of this episode, he's like, no, I'm still an asshole. I still, I still want to be that main character of a visual novel. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't sound great but he's i like i like joro a lot he's such he's he's a good guy but like with an asshole's brain there you go like, <laughs> okay. like he'll do he'll do stuff like that's against what's going on in his head but in his mind he's kind of a dick um and i kind of love him for it <laughs> um but yeah that, that's kind of what feeds into the like the next couple episodes um uh the uh cosmos and himawadi are you know too embarrassed to come up and and tell him and tell Joro, you know, that they're sorry that, you know, they essentially made him out to be a pariah. They actually <clears throat> take on a lot of the school bullies who are like, you know, doing mean shit to him and stuff like that. But the next couple episodes are um Joro kind of making amends and being like, hey, look, like that's one of the messages I liked about this show is like, look, you can be 
an asshole. I mean, you shouldn't, but um, if you even if you do something bad, you know, you could still make amends. You know, there's no like, I mean, except for a few things in this world, there's not a whole lot you can do that you can't make up for eventually. Uh, and you know, sure. admittedly, the girls were under a misapprehension, so uh, you know, he forgives them and they all kind of go back to just being friends. Um, and yeah, uh, Ponzi does love Joro based on something that happened at the baseball tournament last year. Uh, and it's also revealed that she, when she takes the glasses off and uh, undoes the mile of tape that's uh, around her chest, she is um, pretty good looking and uh, pretty f- Full bodied, yeah, we'll go with that. I see. Uh, okay. And Joro really likes her when she's, you know, like that. But he's also kind of creeped out by the fact that she's um, kind of stalkery. Um, over the next uh, few episodes, uh, Joro kind of gets, you know, close to a number of different girls. There's a uh, a, a reporter who's like, well, the the uh school uh newspaper girl uh hina uh, hinatachi gets uh hanatachi gets um close to joro um and there's like a little arc where she tries to kind of muscle her way in because she's she falls in love with joro um it's hinted out at first that uh cosmos and sunshine or cosmos and himawari also fall in love with with Joro after their whole conversation in the be- or uh, their whole confrontation in the beginning, and there's also a fun like little side story uh, where this like one of the one of his bullies um, Asuka uh, Asaka Mayama, um, uh, she's like you know bullying him and stuff like that, and then she finds out that she was under a misapprehension too, and so she you know goes to make amends and Joro is really really kind to her you know like again that whole theme of you know. You know, oh, you know, it's okay. You you can be redeemed by you know, uh, for your actions and stuff like that. And so she falls in love with Joro, and like she's like very gyaru-ish and she hangs out with a bunch of other gyarus. And and like at one point, she asks him like what he likes, and just offhandedly, he's like, I guess uh, you know, just straight black hair is fine by me. And she's like, so she like changes her hair. So like, we see like little snippets of her interactions with Joro, and like she's like. She's not a main character. She's a very side character. Like her, her little interactions or her, like her saying something to Joro or interacting with Joro and helping him, uh, with some way, like with something in some very small way, um, just kind of like offhandedly by saying stuff, uh, and then she'll run away and her little Gyaru friends will will run after her and be like, "You did so well." Uh, <laughs> do you know? Uh, I, do you know I who do voices know her? who voices her, and that's what I was about to say because uh-huh. Saito Shuka is the voice actress for Asaka and she's also the singer for the OP pa 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 so if you thought you were getting away from love live you don't know what fucking podcast okay. you're listening to we made it an <laughs> hour and 5 minutes that must that's got to be like a, a record for the last i, I was holding it in so much i was holding it in so fucking much yes yes <laughs> Watanabe yo is <laughs> yo 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 Watanabe yo. Sorry, I was. <laughs> oh, compose yourself, Carlos. Anyway, uh, uh, so the the ending, the final arc, um, has to deal with uh, Joro borrows a book from 
like a, it's a, a like a first edition book for any of you who are you know really into books. First editions are pretty rare. Uh, Jodo accidentally ruins um, one of Ponzi's books, um, so he gets a part time job to work to buy it. And in that, in the interim, uh, we get we get this character. I I, I don't remember what his name is. Um, but I remember his nickname is Hose because it's so weird <laughs> to hear Hose Coon every now and again. It's so fucking weird. Um, that is weird. But Hose, I'm so sorry. This is gonna get weird. Uh, Hose is like uh, Jordo kind of meets him when he's down and out, and and Hose gives him some advice, and it works out. And and Jordo's like, okay, this is a guy I can trust. This is and Hose is a really like a legitimately nice guy a legitimately good person but uh, that this one thing i didn't touch on ponzi likes joro because joro is kind of a scumbag because he's flawed in some ways you know like he's he's not this and the reason we find out that she likes that kind of person is because she sees his true face whereas hose is this really nice guy and it creeps ponzi out like because he's just like he's He's perfect. I mean, like, we, we can all on this cast say that we're, I mean, we're probably, we consider ourselves pretty nice guys. Um, we're perfect. But I, no, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen you hungry, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, but like, but I mean, we, we do have our, our moments when we get, you know, angry and stuff like this and, you know, or like when we're, we don't feel up to, you know, doing certain things sure. or whatever. Like, you know, we're not perfect people. Uh, but, like hose is that kind of person and it freaks it like freaks ponzi out and i i i actually right there with her <laughs> like i would massively prefer a human please um <laughs> yeah but he, but hose is in love with ponzi and they went to the same school and Pon, like ponzi actually went to a different school and changed her appearance to get away from this guy uh because she can't you know she like i guess he's such a nice guy blah 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 that she can't tell him, you know, hey, fuck off. You're weirding me out. Um, <laughs> it just makes her uncomfortable. Yeah. She's like, I am getting away from this. Uh, yeah. But like, Joro doesn't know this at first. So he invites Hose to help them out because at, at one point, like the, the last um, conflict, I guess, is that the school. Okay, this is this one was weird to me. Help me out. The school's closing down their library because nobody uses it. Can you? Uh, I don't think that's can, how that yeah, works. Can you imagine huh. a like that working that way, and b a school being like books? Pff, we don't fucking need these things. Look at how many people use these. <laughs> Nobody uses books. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, uh, putting like shelving my incredulity for that uh -huh. stupidity. Of a, but of usually a, the response to people not using books is we need to do something and improve this library yeah, because obviously it's not. Put some fucking not... computers in the library. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, like, I get going like digital for a lot of stuff, but I don't know. I, You'd yeah. still need the. It's Japan. Yeah. They're gonna. They're still yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah. using paper for at least the next. Like knowing them, the next twenty years until they yeah. until they the. the we physically tell them, look, the rainforest is depleted. We cannot make any more paper or whatever, wherever the fuck we get our paper stores from. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry, that wouldn't hurt my brain. Anyway, the uh, the 
but but uh, Jordo brings Hose in to to help them revitalize the library and, and you know get more people get more foot traffic in the library and it actually works it works out pretty well for them um <clears throat> but you know Ponzi is visibly uncomfortable around him and that's another thing like if you're this perfect person you you think you'd pick up on social cues like the two girls that follow Hose around are incredibly enamored with him uh like and the one girl he's after is like, get the fuck away from me. You're like an alien. Um, Not how it always works. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. Um, so uh, like towards the end, Hose is going to to um, to confess to uh, Ponzi. Um, and. Uh, like Jodo is trying to figure out a way to, you know, help her out. But he's like, I don't want to do anything because Hose is such as like, is this really not, like Hose has helped me out so much. He's been this like this really nice guy to me. I can't, you know, I can't be an asshole to him. Uh, mm. Towards the end, he eventually like kind of comes around. He's like, wait, wait, no, that's who I am. I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> so I'm going to do this my way like a scumbag. And so he sets, he rigs this game. Uh, he thinks he's rigging this game. Uh, and, and for those of you listening, I did skip over it a little bit, like especially because Sunshine has like this little arc where he goes back to being kind of an asshole. Uh, that that's whatever. But like, uh, so yeah. Anyway, um, Jordo rigs this game uh, to where he's like, all right, there there are more girls that I know than girls that Hose knows. So if I rig this game where I give them each a barrette, you know, like a hair clip thing, and mm. and tell them, all right. Whoever thinks, you know, uh, I don't know, whoever gets the most bur- or like hair clips from a, from the girls um, wins and whoever loses can't talk to Pansy anymore, like ever. And he thinks he's winning this, but he gives the clips to all the girls, including the two that, that you know, are in Hose's corner. So he's got three in his corner, quote unquote, and two in Hose's corner. <coughs> No, I'm sorry. He's got four. Mm. He's got four in his corner and two in because he's got he's got Ponzi, he's got Himawadi, he's got Cosmos, and he's got Hina, the the newspaper girl. And then um, Cosmos has uh, the the two other girls. I think it's Momo and Itsuki. Um, so, like, it's this is the end of the last episode, by the way. Uh, Cosmos, Himawadi, and Hina all give their hair clips to Hose. Because they're in love, and they confess their love at the end of the episode. They confess their love. They're oh. like, I'm in love with Jodo. I don't want you talking to Ponzi anymore because yeah. you two are clearly a thing. And so the episode fucking ends there. It, it doesn't huh. It doesn't really end there, but it's it's like, a, like so Jodo now is like, because Jodo got a hair clip from Ponzi, which, okay, I'm sorry. Just if the girl who's part of it is like, I don't want, like I'm voting for this guy. That should be the end of it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure if she gives a hair clip to. Yeah, cuz I I think yeah, cuz there's still a chance for I don't know, I could be wrong. Anyway, it but like it, you know, it's 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 so clear that Pon, like, you know, Ponzi doesn't want anything to do with Hose that I don't know why they're even doing this. But yeah, so the 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 episode ends with Joro being like, okay, well now I have to convince the two girls in Hose's camp 
and and there is like kind of an interesting dynamic there where it's like those girls are doing it are 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 helping hoes even though they're you know in love with them and there's this this interesting kind of message that it's like no no do what do what's going to make you happy like yeah it'll suck because you're in competition with a friend of yours but you know like it's this kind of pushback on like kind of the the japanese don't rock the boat it's like no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Do something for your happiness. Otherwise, you're going to spend the rest of your fucking life wondering what could have been. Um, right. And I love that message, but it ends right there. And I found out there's going to be an OVA in summer, and I'm like, I'm never going to see the fucking conclusion to this. <laughs> so yeah. why would you end it on that much? Just make a thirteenth fucking episode. I mean, granted, you know, I'm not saying like this to the the director or any of those people, but like seriously production people you know those of you guys who you know you got the you got the money to push this shit out make some kind of ending for this because we're never getting that ova in the west so for us i mean i guess maybe not never but so for us more than likely our journey with this anime ends on a massive cliffhanger yeah um and that's kind of a bummer because I mean, other than the Sunshine's implied, you know, rapist tendencies, I really enjoyed this show. Um, but yeah, just not sticking the landing was like it pushed the show down because uh, there's a lot of really fun characters. I, I think it's animated very, very well. And again, as much of a scumbag as he is, I fucking love Joro. I <laughs> I don't know why. Like he's such an like uh, I wouldn't say an asshole because again, he, he like outwardly when he in his actions, he's a nice guy. But in his mind, he's kind of a dick. And, <laughs> and I could kind of sympathize with that. <laughs> so, yeah. And I like Ponzi's character a lot, too. Um, the other girl, Himawari was cute. Uh, Cosmos was was also kind of cute. Uh, I, I think... How did Shuka do? Uh, Shuka was great. I loved Shuka's <laughs> character. I love that she played a Gyaru. Uh, and it, I, I didn't even know she was Shuka until I listened to, I, it must have been like third or fourth time i'd listened to the dop and i was like you know i swear to god i've heard this fucking song before and i looked it up i'm like oh shit i have seen this music video a few times over. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I'm, it's her only role except for yo which is kind of neat yeah 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 i mean like they're all like they all just kind of started their you know their solo yeah. stuff so um Ina's had a, a a few roles herself but rikako yeah um yeah no it's 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 a good show it's a good show but it's just it's kind of undercut by uh uh, by a lack of an ending um i would i would actually recommend it though um it was fun um i'd say if after like the first four episodes you're not feeling it it's not gonna get a whole lot better but um yeah give it a shot uh uh, and with that, I'll give this one a three point five out of five. Three point five. Okay. I would have been a four with a with a an actual ending. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like similar to the last one I just reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with, with uh, you know, I hopefully mean, better parenting. I don't, I don't know what their parents were like because this is one of those yeah. old shows where you know parents don't exist. <laughs> they literally don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next one is mine. It is the anime called Rifle is Beautiful, or uh, I think 
They changed it to Chidori RSC, Rifle Shooting Club. Um, <coughs> excuse me. This is an anime done by Studio 3 Hertz, um, who did uh, SAO Gungale uh, Alternative, um, Dimension W, they have Flip Flappers, Princess Principal. So they've got a bit of a uh, track record for making good looking anime. Um, the director for this one is Masanori Takahashi, um, who did, uh, when supernatural battles become commonplace. Um, I think that's the only major thing he's done outside of this one. A lot of episode director credits. Uh, but yeah, this is the kind of story of a girl named Hikari, uh, Kokura, who, um, starts high school. Um, and wants to join the rifle shooting club. Um, and immediately finds out that it has been disbanded because there's no people or not enough people for it. Um, so the first episode is her kind of tracking down people who will join this club. Um, and I'm glad they do it really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) They just get it completely out of the way. Uh, can we just like, like, address the fact that there's a rifle shooting club too that's just so kind of funny. it's <laughs> I'll, I'll get to what it actually is uh, in a second okay. um so hikari has a childhood friend named izumi uh who is kind of along for the ride um joins the club with her uh and then they are able to recruit two girls uh one named yukio who's like an ace shooter uh from middle school and then a girl named Erica, um, who is also very good, um, a rich girl, and kind of like uh, Sundere in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they form the Rifle Shooting Club, um, which I think if you know anything about Japan, you'll know that guns are actually banned. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm kinda. pretty sure. Yeah, illegal to own most firearms if not all uh, uh you actually like I, I was looking this up it's kind of interesting you can um own a shotgun for hunting yeah. purposes uh-huh um so what they do is instead of using actual you know rifles um they use laser rifles uh so essentially they shoot <laughs> laser beams at a targets that can detect where you hit um and then you get scored based on your accuracy and stuff like that um, it's actually kind of a fascinating sport uh which is why i went with this show um <laughs> we do find out that there are other like versions like there's uh like airsoft shooting or air guns and stuff like that um and i think so this is actually like a an olympic sport um, but I think they actually shoot guns and like real bullets and everything mm. in the Olympics. So I'm not sure how I read a little bit works. about that at some point in the past. And I think that there is concessions also, not just for hunting, but I think that people who are registered as like 
Olympic shooters or something can own a weapon for training. Sure. I, I, many years ago, I feel like I read something about that. Oh, yeah, I'm just wondering. Like, they do, if these they do people... fire in the, in the Olympics. Like they do, like you said. But so, was there any? I'm curious. Was there any kick to the laser rifles or no? Zero kick. Oh, they are going to have a lot of fun if they go. <laughs> that's, into real yeah, that's why I was a little confused as the you know because the what the Hikari her goal is to make it to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> the unrealistic goal of a fresh high school student um <laughs> but it's kind of an interesting uh sport because they use laser rifles but they still have to seemingly load the gun load a clip it's probably just like a battery pack or something uh, <laughs> and then after every shot they have to um like release the the bullet from the chamber like recock it <laughs> they actually have to like to uh fucking they actually like it's bolt action they actually have it's to bolt release action, the bolt yeah. And, yeah wow that's they amazing yeah. <laughs> um and so yeah it's kind of just like the the them uh practicing and you know kind of getting to know each other um hikari is a <laughs> notoriously bad practice shooter like she always scores way lower than everyone else um izumi's kind of like old faithful uh she gets consistent scores not great scores though um erica has the potential to be like fantastic uh but sometimes chokes under the pressure and then uh yukio is like their ace in the hole she's like one of the best in the country and um yeah, just really, really consistently good. Uh, so it's just kind of them, yeah, practicing. Um, occasionally, there's a couple competitions. I think the first one, they have, they have like a practice match against a different school, like one of the top schools in the the area. Um, and the leader of that school is Erica's cousin. Um, and she's like, yeah, also one of the, the top shooters. Um, and we get to just kind of meet some more fun and interesting characters. Um, and then there's like the, I don't know if it's national qualifiers or regional qualifiers. There's, there's a qualifier tournament, um, that, you know, Hikari does really well in, uh, we find out that she usually, performs really well in competition even though she's below average in practice uh one of those kind of people um and then erica and yukio also uh make it through um and then they spend the last like four episodes at like the either either it's like regional qualifier or might just be nationals i'm not 100 100 sure i can't really remember it's been a while um but yeah, the uh, there's several different competitions. There's singles. Uh, there's a team. Uh, then there's like the different kinds of guns: air guns, uh, beam rifles. Um, and we get to see more schools and a bunch of interesting and bizarre characters. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think the real draw of this show is just the kind of spectacle of the sport uh, because it really is unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, seems like it would be kind of boring. <laughs> uh, 
if you don't know what you're really kind of watching because i think around is oh what was it 60 shots something like that and the way that scoring works is there's um a a target um one through ten scoring and then inside of the ten ring is like another nine rings or whatever so the highest you can get on a shot is a 10.9 i think that's correct um and so like really good people consistently get between you know in the tens essentially 10.0 to 10.9 uh and it really does like different variations of a bullseye then exactly basically. yeah like, like how precise bonus can points be. or whatever uh-huh yeah neat um and yeah like you know focus is big and stamina is big uh the way they hold the guns is pretty interesting <laughs> um uh hikari has kind of like a uh like a, a hand grip underneath the trigger so like she's got the gun kind of oh where was the hand grip i can't oh it's killing me i think it was maybe it was like halfway down like the like the stock of the gun but she kind of like holds it in a weird way everyone holds the gun differently it's really kind of interesting but i don't think it would translate well to firing an actually gun uh, an actual gun um in any way um but yeah if you've like sports shows i think this is actually a good sports show uh they do a good job of kind of focusing on the sport and teaching uh what it's all about uh and the characters are fun i really liked erica and i liked izumi as well uh there were several other girls from other schools that um i enjoyed and i would love to see more of the show i don't know if we'll get any more um it's not the the kind of show where you know they they make it to nationals uh they do pretty well in the uh regional maybe there's nationals there again i can't remember uh but they don't actually win it spoiler um so it's kind of like yeah seeing them handle that kind of disappointment uh, and learn from it uh, the good traits of sports shows uh, but yeah if you're interested in what Japanese rifle shooting is about uh, definitely give this one a look um, it does look kind of wonky at times the character designs are not great um, at times but yeah I think uh, I think it was a fun show you guys have any questions or comments? Do you, do you feel like, because um, like I, I always find it interesting, especially with Japan and the Olympics, you know, hosting the Olympics soon. Um, this is just an odd sport. It's definitely something kind of, it's one of those sports that you're only going to see when the Olympics come around. Yeah. And so did you feel like there was any kind of tie-ins to the fact that they were, you know, going for the Olympics specifically in Japan or um, did they mention that at all? Was that kind of a marketing tool? No, I don't think they mentioned like, you know, that the Olympics were in Japan or anything, uh, okay. but she did. That was like her kind of like, I don't know, not yeah. catchphrase or something, but you know, I want to go to the Olympics as a rifle shooter. Sure. So, but yeah. It's funny when you see sports like this in particular because it's like 
man, I, especially when you kind of enjoy a show like this, uh, you know, there's, there's the sports you see on TV and people follow them, obviously like your, your team sports, tennis, that kind of stuff. But then there's like sports like this, that literally every four years you have your time to shine (laughs) (laughs) and you have like the opportunity to see it. I find like rifle shooting to be a fascinating kind of sport, you know? And, Mm -hmm. And so this is, it's interesting to see them make an anime about it and, uh, you know, yeah. Cool. Um, oh, I will say this is actually based on a four coma manga. Really? Um, yes. And the first episode is very four coma. It is <laughs> very different from the rest of the show. And I'm glad they kind of got away from that. Um, so if you do kind of watch this and you watch the first episode and you're like, well, this is kind of weirdly paced. Um, that's because it is. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of the show is doesn't feel like a four coma at all. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a a four out of five. I had a lot of fun watching it, um, and uh, would love to see more uh, laser rifles. <laughs> yeah, I, I I almost like this is just and this is without me doing any research on the show or generally uh-huh. kind of how it works, but based on the fact that because I remember years ago reading about like what the gun laws in Japan were, and I remember seeing that you know. Um, people who were training to be, you know, competitive rifle shooters were allowed to own actual rifles. Mm. Part of me almost thinks that maybe the whole laser rifle thing is kind of just something they did for this show because they didn't want to promote guns. No, it's you it's know. an actual thing. Yeah. The, the laser thing is? It actually is, yeah. But I could not find any that I could buy. I imagine... Like I looked it up and I could not find any over I, here. Anyways. I imagine that's just for high school kids. Like, it might be. Like, especially if they're doing, like... Uh, like a club thing because there's no way mm. the school's gonna like even if they're training for the olympics there's no way yeah, they're, sure you know, the guns are gonna be allowed on school grounds sure yeah um, uh erica's cousin she's a big like she does the laser shooting but her big thing is uh air rifles um mm. and i think that's more of a private club kind of uh activity not a school one gotcha yeah. anyone who is genuinely training to be a rifle shooter would need to fire the actual rifles that they use in in the sport, you know? So eventually, I guess maybe this was like, maybe like soft tennis was like the precursor to actual tennis. Uh Maybe this is the precursor to actual rifle shooting. Yeah. In in boot camp, we actually shot laser pistols uh, initially, but then eventually we, you know, got around to shooting the actual thing uh, because there's really nothing like, you know, like firing Mm -hmm. off a firearm uh, compared to a laser. Oh, that also, that reminds me, um, whenever the girls like have a competition, they wear these like outfits that are like hard jackets, like extremely stiff and kind of, you know, hard to kind of move in hmm. so that they can keep their form hmm. uh, much easier. Yeah. Which I found interesting. Oh, so it's like a trainer to like keep their posture a certain way or something? Uh, I, like, I don't think it's a trainer. I think it's just the the garb of this, huh. you know, laser rifle shooting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, it sounds fascinating, honestly. It I mean, was it's a world pretty fascinating. I don't know anything about. So I actually, I'm actually really curious about this show. Yeah. Give it a shot. Cool. Yeah. Well. <laughs> This is a, a two-core show that I'm about to review. Uh, so it's been, since I started the show, this is one of those shows that I kind of mentioned earlier that like I started watching this. The earlier episodes of this one were like six plus months ago now. Um, 
So bear with me on like, uh, you know, I, I tried to refresh myself on some th- some things, but bear with me if I forget any uh, big details, because I know a lot of people watch Dr. Stone and um, I watched it along with you and I uh, I enjoyed it, actually. But this was a show that was starting to give you some idea back when we were at AX. So uh, it feels so long ago. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so Dr. Stone... Um, interesting show actually that the entire premise is uh all of a sudden the entire earth has this like this weird like i don't know what you'd call it event where everybody on the entire planet turns to stone uh and so like life is going on we're modern day like everyone is kind of going about their business and this like light it it, if you can just imagine like a wall of light that just encompasses the entire planet, um, this light basically just envelops the entire planet and everything it touches, all of the um, people that it touches uh, turn to stone. And um, it appears, and I think that this is something that they kind of reveal, certainly all the human beings turn to stone. I believe it's just human beings and birds that turn to stone though. I don't believe every, all living creatures do. Weird. Um, yeah, kind of like a mystery that, uh, you know, this show definitely needs to continue. Um, and so that's kind of just another one of those mysteries that is is out there to be solved. But um, And so you kind of start out, uh, first you see it all happen, but then you realize people like 3,000 years later or some crazy thing, and this is one of the weird details that I just don't remember, but many, many years later, uh, like several thousand years later, I believe, uh, people start to break out of the stone. Um, mainly uh, a couple characters, one, the main character being Senku, uh, who is uh, basically, uh, <laughs> he wears a lab coat that sa- says E equals MC squared on it. And he is your, he is your stereotypical protagonist that is super smart and like so unrealistically smart. He knows everything that you could possibly ever know about anything that's ever happened in the history of humankind. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, the guy's the guy's like a walking um, Google essentially, and it, of course he needs to be because what's happening now is Senku um, he is awake already when kind of the character that you start following early on. Who, to be honest with you, I don't even really remember his name because he, um, I think it was Tanji uh, Tanjiu Tanjiu. I'm actually I'm finding him on uh taiju i guess uh just kind of he was just had a crush on some girl when they turned to stone and and you kind of see that all kind of happening early on and um he wakes up he meets up with senku and senku's like all right we got to be rebuild humanity and so he's kind of doing some tests on like some birds that he found that were turned to stone because he's trying to figure out a way to unstonify people like all of these statues that are essentially laying around the wilderness all of the like in the woods and you know you just got all these stone people lying around some of them are broken so you know like those people died unfortunately uh it turns out senku um and and taiju are like able to break out maybe on their own because they're they kept their minds working like (laughs) again senku is kind of like ridiculous actually like the way that they present him is this just he counted for like 3000 years so he knew how many days had gone by <laughs> like he just counted nonstop for all that time i guess he didn't need to sleep while he was in stone but um so uh eventually i, I don't want to like i don't want to kind of walk you guys through every step of what happens 
partly because I don't remember it. <laughs> uh, secondly, because Fair. Um, I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> secondly, because it it just would take me forever. But um, he finds he you know after experimenting, uh, he finds a way to um, release people from stone, and he it's like this concoction that he uses. Um, and he's able to pour it on things, and I think it involves like bat urine or something like that. And uh, yeah, and he starts releasing people. Uh, eventually, they end up in a situation. They release the girl that tied you or whatever his name is, Oki, um, the one that he had a crush on. Uh, but the main one that they release from Stone is uh, Sukasa, who is kind of like this super physically kind of imposing guy who like you know he was known in school as being the strongest guy alive and like this crazy like kind of muscly man right and uh so they release him and so you now i've got senku who is like all about kind of science and he wants to rebuild humanity's um scientific you know expansion and he wants to bring us back to modern time uh turns out Sukasa, after they release him, he hated society and he wants, you know, basically human beings to go back to, you know, being like the strong survive. He doesn't want, he, he essentially hated adults. I guess he had this complex where like he thought adults, he, he didn't like feeling like they were superior to him and he felt like they were only superior to him because of technology. And so he wanted to go back to this like tribal world of like the strong or the, the strong survive, the strong lead. And, um, he didn't want science to to kind of take back over. Um, and so you get this kind of butting of heads between Tsukasa and Senku. And um, if you guys are ever planning on watching this show, by the way, uh, I would probably recommend skipping the review because I am going to spoil some things that actually happen throughout the show that I think are pretty powerful. Uh, but spoilers, it looks like Tsukasa kills Senku at one point. <laughs> um, and it, it pretty convincingly looks like he killed him. Like I was like, whoa, where does the show go here? Like a part of me knew because Senku was a main character, like somehow he survived. Um, but at one point it looks like Tsukasa kills him. Like he chops him in the neck and it looks like he's dead. Uh, turns out though, like they still had some pieces of like stone on their skin and it was kind of stupid, but um, the stone was still on the back of his neck and that saved him from dying and whatever. Um, but then you essentially have these two kind of warring groups where you've got the people the the kingdom of science as they call it of senku's group and then sukasa is like kind of the kingdom of whatever i forget what they call it but it's essentially the the barbarian war you know we just want to have live in the stone age essentially um senku ends up finding uh running into a girl named kohaku who's a blonde girl you've probably seen her if you've seen any yeah. pictures of dr stone um you know, cute blonde hair, blue eye girl. Uh, and she brings him to a village that she lives in that is, you know, all the people in this village have been around basically what appears to be they've, they were never turned to stone. Like they've been living in this kind of society in this little village um, for a long time. And they've kind of grown without science and they're, they're very primitive. Uh, and, um, Senku starts to want to try to introduce kind of science to them and they're really re reluctant to it. And so that kind of brings in this whole arc of like Senku trying to earn their trust and how all that works. But essentially the way this show kind of progresses is episode by episode, Senku runs into a problem and he needs to solve it by inventing or reinventing something that he had before. And he has this like vast knowledge of how every little thing is built and, um, 
you know, so that's kind of what keeps the story going. It's like he, someone is sick, so he needs to invent penicillin. Um, someone, he needs to defeat, again, forget all of kind of the things that happen early on, but like he needs to defeat, you know, some people. So he needs to invent gunpowder in order to, you know, enact this plan that he has. Right. Um, and it's just conveniently, he always manages to find enormous, like incredibly rare resources that he needs in order to, uh, you know, recreate all of these different technologies that he had. Um, but as he kind of does this, it's actually really fun because it's kind of educational. And from what I've seen and heard, it's relatively accurate. Like all of the steps that he takes to get to each goal, regardless of the fact that they make it way too easy to find certain resources and way too uh, easy for him to like suddenly like, oh, wow, I have like this I'm able to, you know, grind these seashells into something that I needed to create gunpowder or whatever. Um, <laughs> so again, yeah, apparently like you can use seashells to create, I think it was gunpowder that they're creating, but, um, so you get the idea, right? Senku, super smart guy. He's basically, uh, progressively kind of bringing back certain technologies. Um, he runs into in this village, uh, a guy named Krom who is also interested in science and he's got like a collection of like different minerals and stuff and he thinks of it more as like kind of a magic uh and senku kind of takes him under his wing at this point the guy that woke up with him i don't know what happens to him he's gone like he's somewhere i think he's maybe with like maybe prisoner or he's with uh sukasa the the warring people um but he doesn't show back up in the show, him or his girlfriend, really, um, outside of maybe a little glimpse you get of them at some point. But most of the show, you don't see them again, at least what we have so far. Um, but now uh, Senku and Krom are trying to kind of, on one hand, prepare for the impending war with Sukasa, And on the other hand, kind of uh, earn the trust of this village. Um, and again, there's like many issues. But one of the main issues that you had was, uh, and one of the things that kind of went throughout the show was, Kohaku, the blonde girl's sister, is like the head priestess of the village. And she appears to have, um, you know, she she's very sick. And uh, and so one of the main driving factors was they needed to create uh, antibiotics to to save her because she was uh, she was basically dying. Um, and that was that was a big piece. Uh, eventually, they they do. Um, they run into another guy who shows up who's kind of part of Sukasa's group. He's like this kind of magician guy. They call him a mentalist. Um, and there's a little bit of uh, kind of working with him. But <laughs> uh, Senku manages to produce uh, Coca-Cola for him, essentially. <laughs> Cola. To That was one of the things that he needed to produce was this guy <laughs> like apparently really liked Coca-Cola. So Senku, um, you know, managed to create carbonated water and cola and make him a bottle of coca-cola and that was how he won his like won him over to the kingdom of science's side as opposed to the uh um there's another character that like he wins over with sweets you know so it's like he's slowly winning over the population of the village slowly winning over um other people from kind of the tribal guy side um with the showing basically the wonders of of science um it's hard to really say. I mean, it's one of those shows you just have to kind of watch. It's very um, shonen. You know, it's like 
you know, progressively he builds more technologies. He gets stronger through that technology and his group is getting, you know, to the point where they, and, um, we don't, the show ends before we get to see the impending battle with Sukasa because that's kind of what they're building up for a lot of the show. Um, one of the only main things that I would mention is that it turns out that this village, uh, apparently the people in this village, um, were actually descendants of, you know, as fate would have it, Senku's father, who, when the whole thing happened with the world where everyone turned to stone, Senku's father was actually astronaut, and he was up in space with like a handful of astronauts up in the space station, um, and they they were not on the Earth when it turned to stone. Um, I found it kind of weird that they were able to get down to Earth um, without like a party on the ground helping them i don't know how astronauts and landing you know you know ships works but i have a feeling you need someone yeah. on the ground helping you, you out there <laughs> they usually land in the ocean you usually need a ship to go pick them up yeah yeah um they you know so i i rolled my eyes a little bit of that there's a lot of eye rolling moments like things just way too conveniently happened uh to let them get to from point a to point b but um so they uh senku's dad and and this group all uh you know they come down and um they basically over the years procreate and and this village is all of the spawn of that group of astronauts essentially um i don't i don't know man like i i feel like i gave the idea of what the show was like um it was actually a really really enjoyable show i don't want to go through all of the different scientific creations that he created you know he created um eyeglasses at one point uh, he created, obviously, like I mentioned, uh, antibiotics, he created penicillin, uh, gunpowder, Coca-Cola. Um, the last thing he was creating, and this is, I just thought stupid, uh, was he felt that to beat Sukasa, the Trump card would be cell phones. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So he was creating all of the things he needed to, to build a cell phone. Like a, like a um, cell tower and, and, uh, satellites. Yeah. <laughs> Was he making yeah. satellites too? <laughs> Not satellites, but it, like cell towers. And he was like having, he he had all of this gold and stuff that he was able to like turn into wire. And, you know, um, they created a water wheel and it was like, yeah, they're, what they had at the end was kind of like, kind of a comical version of a cell phone, but um, it's like the small victories were kind of fun to watch. And um, again, like suspending your disbelief on this show would really make it a lot more enjoyable. The show actually is a lot of fun, uh, is kind of eye rolly as a lot of the stuff that happens in it is. Uh, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. It doesn't end. Certainly we're, we're just part of the way through and, um, he meets a lot of fun characters in the village. He, you know, I think he, at this, at the point at the end, he's won the village over and, uh, they're all kind of ready to go to war with Sukasa, the kingdom of science versus the kingdom of man or whatever they're called. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. I like Dr. Stone so far. Looking yeah. forward to more. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I'd say at this point, Dr. Stone's a four solid four for me. I enjoyed each episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I only mentioned the eye rolling moments because they were definitely eye rolling. Like if you, if you believe that this guy with green spiked hair, you know, can know all of that so perfectly and be so <laughs> right all the time. And he's like one of these characters that you just know, 
um, I always kind of compare him to, um, I don't know why I always think of characters like this and I compare them with uh, Dumbledore from Harry Potter. Like hmm. I read the books in Harry Potter and yeah. uh, it, they presented him a little differently in the books, but um, you always knew like whatever was happening, Dumbledore was just so perfect that you knew he, it was, he knew what was going on and he was allowing it to happen. And he was, you know, it was all part of his plan. It's kind of how Senku is. Like sometimes they make it look like maybe things are going to go wrong for him. And you're just like, Senku's perfect. There's no way things can go wrong. <laughs> He's, you know, he knows everything. He, he, everything works out for him. So, um, but, uh, yeah. So Dr. Stone, a lot of fun for, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think about it. Um, and yeah, yeah. that's all I have to say. I know that's probably a disappointing review, but I I, I just yeah. don't. It's all good, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> certainly interested in checking it out. So. Yeah, it's just, it's a fun, it's fun to kind of see the different things that he creates. And, and one of the things that I enjoyed the most about it probably was the, the fact that they actually do show you how certain things are made. Like you don't realize in some cases how you know, gunpowder can be created out of like things that you may have readily available mm. when you're, you know, on an Island. Um, and, uh, you know, while him finding certain materials is very convenient, it's still really kind of neat to see the, an educational in a way to see how these things came about. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Is there any, so, uh, Dr. Stone. any romance in the show? Um, there it's, there's there's a little bit of romance, but it's kind of played off in a more comedic way. Okay. Uh, there's definitely some characters who like other characters, um, and the whole kind of deal actually with the princess of uh, Kohaku's sister is like this princess. She's the priestess who's essentially like kind of over the village. She's uh -huh. like the, the head of the village. Um, she has to marry somebody who like wins this kind of like this weird little tournament arc where um, the people have to fight and whoever wins the fight becomes the chief and marries her. Um, and there's some characters who really like her a lot. And um, she seems to like Senku. Uh, and I don't want to spoil how that all ends up because sure. I think it's kind of cute and it's unexpected, but um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I think that there will definitely be some romance that buds, but nothing really comes from where we have so far. Okay. But there's definitely some people who like other people. Cool. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and get this out. So, of Carlos, way. is there uh, there's is there any absolutely romance in... no romance <laughs> <Okay>. in Vinland Saga? <laughs> I'll be back in like half an hour. <laughs> uh, would I say absolutely no? Yeah, yeah, I'd say absolutely no. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, the next up is uh, is Vinland Saga, another one of my drafted shows. Uh, if you've been listening, you know that this is a manga that I read and I absolutely love. Uh, and recently, I I'd kind of been on a a losing streak with uh, with manga adaptations being kind of eh to ugh, that's terrible. But um, <laughs> this is the comeback. <laughs> uh, nice. So Vinland Saga is historical fiction. And I say historical fiction because a, a lot of these characters are, you know, people from history. Um, but uh, it's it it's a revenge story, essentially. Uh, we follow, at first, uh, we follow a lot of characters. I mean, Thorfinn is arguably the main character, but we follow a, like, a lot of other characters. And I argue that even though his is the revenge arc, 
um a lot that a lot of the other characters are more interesting um but you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. So we follow uh, Thorfinn. Uh, we start out like on the island of um, Iceland um, in the age. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, we're in we're in the very early uh, 11th century. So 10,000 or 10,000 take two 1000 um, CE right around there. Um and uh this is you know this is the viking age so these people on iceland like they immigrated or migrated to iceland you know their ancestors did a while ago to to get away from um like instead of like tribal chieftains like you know holding land in norway and sweden and denmark um now like kings are taking over and these are the people who are like no fuck you or you know we're going to go live out our kind of more pastoral agrarian society over here and, and you fuck off and do whatever you're going to do over there. Um, and Thorfinn lives with his dad, uh, Thor's his mom, Yulva, and I can't remember what the mother's name is. Um, but, uh, they're, you know, uh, they're, they're shepherds on, uh, on the Island. Um, one day there's like a whole, like a little subplot, uh, essentially like what you got from the subplot Thor's the dad does not own slaves, doesn't believe in owning slaves, doesn't want to own slaves, all that kind of stuff. His daughter, Yilva, really wants to own slaves because she's a product of her time. She's like, look, we we have money. We shouldn't have to be doing all this menial shit. Um, I, I really like Yilva, despite her, her you know, desire for slaves. Um, sure. Mm. She's a great character. Uh, anyway, so Thor's... Uh, like one day, uh, a, a group of what were called Joms Vikings, which are kind of like the, uh, they're kind of like a mercenary, like almost like a city state, um, like because they they technically work for like the the Scandinavian kings, but I think there's actually at one point they actually fight them and eventually they lose. But uh, anyway, that's history. Anyway, um, Thor's ran away from the like deserted the joms vikings uh after a battle because uh, at some point in his life he like you know talking to his his wife he's like holy shit i actually don't want to die i want to see my children you know grow up and stuff like that i'm sick of just constant warfare um hmm. so he takes his wife and his at that time baby daughter yilva to uh to iceland uh well now the joms vikings have found him um and uh they tell him hey um the british have attacked us uh in england um you know because or i should say the saxons because surprise surprise they don't much like being occupied uh weird i know but uh so like they're like well you know the the king is uh is getting uh all of his vikings together um normally we'd kill you for being a deserter but uh you know the the head of the joms vikings he wants you to lead us and this guy who's telling him this is a guy named floki who is currently the head of the joms vikings um and uh what do you call it well unbeknownst to to thor's um floki hires another guy to kill thors because he's like no fuck that i i'm the leader of the john's vikings not this asshole um <laughs> so uh thors 
is expected to gather men for the fight, so he has to gather men from Iceland. Essentially, all he gathers are like, I mean, none of these men are battle, none of these guys are battle tested. They're all like kids, you know, um, what we would consider kids. They're probably like in their their mid teens. Uh, so, you know, Thoris gathers them up and um, makes a deal with Leif Erikson, you know, name drop. Most <laughs> of you guys would actually know from history. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. And uh, he, like Leif is going to take them part of the way there. And as soon as they get to England, Thoris is going to go as the sole the sole soldier and take all the boys back to their fields in in Iceland because he's like these kids aren't ready for war they're going to get slaughtered and I don't want to you know send them back dead he's like Thoris is like I'm the only veteran here so I'm going to do this myself um, but Thorfinn stowed away on the boat Thorfinn's a little kid at this point he's like ten um, Thorfinn stows away on the boat because he wants to be a part of the fighting. Uh, so, you know, now Thor's is like, well, fuck, now I have to send my kid back too. um, along the way, uh, they stop off at an Island, uh, to kind of like resupply and it's a trap. <laughs> and the guy who was sent to kill him is another main character who we get is, uh, his name's Askeladd. Uh, Askeladd, um, traps, uh, uh, Thor's and Leaf's ship and, you know, surrounds him with his own ships and, you know. Uh, archers on cliffs and stuff like that and they all attack and thor's is so much of a badass that he beats all these dudes with well without drawing his sword just like you know with his <laughs> fist it's just like because he's uh, they actually call him like the troll of jom or something like that like he's so physically imposing that he's just whooping all these dudes ass and at one point uh the uh Askeladd's, like second in command a guy named bjorn is uh like takes a berserker mushroom he you know eats this mushroom and kind of goes fucking nuts and thor's like handles him without a problem just beats his ass um nice ask uh Askeladd actually offers thor's to you know to lead Askeladd's band of um vikings and you know thor's turns him down uh Askeladd uses mm, i mean he uses thorfinn against thor's uh, so Askeladd's an asshole He's a major <laughs> asshole, but I love this character, and we'll get into why later. But he he essentially used, like, well, Bjorn uses Thorfinn and Askeladd, not wanting to be seen as weak in front of his men, has Thors killed. Like, they, so all these archers just kind of, like, turn Thors into a pincushion. Pin that is Thorfinn's impetus for uh, revenge. Uh, Thorfinn um, is supposed to be on the boat with Leif, but, like, like um thor's secures uh the boys and leaf's safe passage if he's like hey if you kill me and take my head you can tell them that you you've killed us all and you know they don't have to know that you let these guys go um so you know uh good guy Askeladd's like all right fine fuck it i can't i can't not finish this job for the joms vikings or it's my head so um but thorfinn stows away again um and his whole mission uh the rest of the time is to kill Askeladd. like you know it's the guy who killed his father um and the rest of the show for thorfinn will be uh him doing missions for Askeladd in order to secure a um a duel like a series of duels against Askeladd. because that's you know the the viking the whole norse you know mm. uh in in the uh side of odin you know they have like 
a duel, you know, an honorable duel or whatever. And Askeladd always, because <laughs> he's a, you know, a seasoned fighter, always handily whips Thorfinn's ass. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, so it, it's kind of comes in waves. Um, Thorfinn, like I said, he's doing missions. Like, as a kid, we see his first kill, like, at the age of, like, fucking 10. Um, we see, like, the... It's it's really interesting because it, it's uh, it's really well portrayed in the manga, and I think they did a really good job um, translating that to anime uh, with like like when Thorfinn loses his innocence. Essentially, when he's taken in by an English woman, and he tries to get them to run away, but I mean she doesn't understand whatever the fuck he's speaking Icelandic, um, so she doesn't run away, and he's forced to realize that he just got this woman who's saved his life killed um Hmm. it's it's a really powerful scene it's so good but it's so terrible um because these are vikings and that's another thing i need to need to put out there uh remember this is a very different time (laughs) when you're watching this (laughs) these are these guys are especially oscalod's band like their whole thing was uh we can't really farm very well where we live in, you know, whatever fjord we occupy. Um, the only other job is shepherding. But there's these really rich Christians who keep calling us, you know, fucking barbarians. Why don't we just take their shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they have all these nice gold and jewels in their reliquaries in the churches. So those look nice. And then it just kind of spiraled into, well, we could also sell them into slavery in these other parts of the world. So why don't we just take captives? And yeah, yeah, they pretty, I mean, like Vikings in general, and really any society that was like that pretty quickly loses their uh, give a shit about other people. There you go. Um, (laughs) So yeah, the Vikings are (laughs) great. Uh, to be fair, neither were the uh, uh, the Saxons because, I mean, they essentially got a foothold in England by uh, kicking out the people who lived there before them. Anyway. That's the way Yeah, r- rant over. <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I just, I don't want to hear, like, there needs to be so much murder and, like, there is, there. you don't see, uh, you know, graphic depictions of, like, of, like, rape and stuff like that. But, I mean... They're Vikings. Yeah, that's what they're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, rant over before I, I hear that uh, nonsense. Um, but uh, eventually we, we get more into the uh, uh, the political side of it um, because Askeladd's band is doing missions uh, mostly for uh, the... Uh, the king of Denmark's, I believe it's the king of Denmark's um, army. Like he's just a mercenary and his band are, they're all mercenaries. Uh, eventually um, the last uh, Anglo-Saxon holdout is in London uh, and they're forced to take a battle. And one of the lead Vikings is uh, like takes the side of the English um hmm. because he is a crazy person who thinks that a one-sided fight against the english would be boring so he puts himself on the side of the english because he thinks it would be much harder to fight you know his fellow scandinavians 
Um, and uh, there's a, a really good fight. This this guy's name is Thorkel, by the way. And this is another character from actual, like, he's actually a person in ascertainable history. Um, Thorkel, and he's also played by, I got to get into this. He's also played by Akio uh, Otsuka, uh, who is Alexander from Fate Zero, who, when I was thinking of people I wanted to play, like different characters, that was my number one. I was like, I want the oh, voice man. from of of Iskandar for Thorkel, and that's who they got, and I was so happy because um, that's essentially who this character is. He's essentially Iskandar, um, just battle crazy. Um, and there's a fight between uh, Thorfinn, who's much smaller and uses like double like daggers, and Thorkel, who is a giant of a man, uh, like you know six foot plus who uses these two gigantic axes and it's uh it's such a good fight like they animated it so well on the uh on uh it's called the battle of uh london bridge um and uh yeah good good fight um eventually the the king uh decides this is too dangerous it's it's way 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 too dangerous uh to um to stay here you know winter's coming generally you know war didn't happen in winter usually you just kind of resupplied and got ready for campaigning in the spring so um he leaves behind the king is the king i kind of get into this too uh the king has kind of an issue he's got two sons one of them still in denmark and one he brought with him to kind of toughen him up the king or the son he brings with him is canute who is another character from ascertainable history um who is kind of like shown as like a weakling you know he's um uh he's like one of the first who adopted christianity and and like he's like a like he was babied by his caregiver um and so he's not seen as like as manly as you know the as a viking king should be um and he hangs out mostly with his uh like and his caregiver ragnar um so the king leaves Canute behind with like 500 dudes to maintain the siege. And when Thorkill finds this out, he breaks the siege and captures the prince, Canute uh, and his and Ragnar. Um, and there his thought is, if I hold the king's son, the king will come after me. And uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll have this battle that I want. I, I won't have to sit here, you know, bored as shit in London. Um, Askeladd finds that out. Askeladd steals Canute from, uh, from Thorkel with the idea that, hey, if I give the king his son back, he'll give me a king's ransom and I can go back home rich. <laughs> so it's like the middle of the show is a lot of this like back and forth with this like girly, like quote unquote girly prince. Um, uh, there's even like this large chase, uh, because Thorkel, like, you know, finds out that, you know, uh, who took, you know, his captive. Uh, they go down to, uh, like, through the south of England to up to, to Wales, where we find out that Askeladd is actually half Welsh. Um, his mother was a captive slave of uh, a man named Olaf. Um she was actually a Welsh, like a Welsh princess or something like that, that he, you know, captured in a raid, uh, and essentially raped Askeladd into existence. Um, 
and uh he like Askeladd actually hates uh the Vikings, hates Scandinavians because of you know what they did to his mom. Um and he's like we get a lot of interesting like cuz his mom would tell him about Arthur, you know, Arthurian legend, which at this time was kind of pseudo-religious, which is an interesting little yeah, wrinkle. You never really figured that because uh, there's uh, the whole aspect that Lydia, uh, uh, Askeladd's mom, uh, believed that uh, at any moment uh, King Arthur would come back from Av- uh, from Avalon and, and deliver the Welsh people from, you know, the the Saxons and the Vikings, etc., etc. And Askeladd wants to, like, his whole goal is to protect Wales uh, from Viking invasion and stuff like that. So you kind of get, like, this interesting backstory to a character who is just kind of um, uh, otherwise, I don't know, uh, just kind of an asshole. He's also got a really good grip on history because uh, he, well, that's another thing. Uh, one of the Welsh captains that you meet is, uh, like, actually wearing roman armor i think if i remember correctly i was reading that uh the welsh were some of the last people on the island to give that up to give up like the the like the romanized way of of living um but uh they they make it through through wales with the help of of uh some welsh uh chieftains kind of thing um and they decide like they're trying to make it back to the king but they don't quite make it they can't march that quickly <laughs> so they get to this town and this is really fucked up uh they they get to this town i mean it's been fucked up before but they get to this town and it's it's Oscalod's band and i mean it's winter there's not a whole lot of foraging you can do in winter they're not going to make it to to the king's uh like to where he's at so they have to find a place to lodge they find this village and it's like well you guys have enough food for the village but we need that food. So they essentially massacre a village and it is fucked up uh, because it's like, well, it's us or them. Um, it's it's even worse too. Cause one of the girls, like well, one of the, the, um, uh, the villagers is a girl. It's like, she makes it out. She runs away like, and she lives, but like it, you feel really bad for her because uh, there's like this little bit, like side story. Like this is a, a village of English people. They're Christians. And she, this girl, her name is Anne. She has recently stolen a ring. And, you know, in the, you know, Christian thou shalt not steal kind of thing, she's really kicking herself. But she, you know, she likes the ring. She's, I mean, only human. But uh, when her, like, family and the her whole village is slaughtered, she, like, her, her impetus is to turn and think, this is my fault. They're all up in heaven because, you know, they were good Christians and I'm stuck down here because I'm a thief. And I was like, fuck that hits too close. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Religious shame. That's fun. Anyway. But, <laughs> wow. I mean, the show's definitely, it seems like it's really dedicated to being historically accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> but, but, uh, and, and gets to, uh, uh, gets to a safe uh, place reports on what happens and that report gets to Thorkill who's like oh shit I just found Prince Canute and I just found Thorfinn which at this point Thorkill is really really obsessed with fighting Thorfinn because he knows that Thorfinn is Thor's son and Thorkell and Thorfinn or I'm sorry Thor 
Thorkel and Thors, really hard to keep that together, uh, were both Joms Vikings. Like, they were both in the same unit, and Thorkel, being the massive battle otaku that he is, wanted to fight Thors. Like, wanted to beat Thors at one point in his life, but Thors is dead now. So he's like, well, fuck, that's never going to happen. So I want to fight his kid. Uh, you know, because, you know, he had, quote unquote, like, Thorfinn took two of his fingers in their first fight. Um, and, like, it, Thorkel, there's this really funny scene, like, of, Thor, of Thorkel, like, waving to Thorfinn, like, telling him to to come find him and he'll tell him about his dad. And he's waving to him with these two missing digits and just blood running down his hand. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, so uh, Thorkel marches uh, towards... Uh, Askeladd's band. Askeladd catches wind of it and uh, starts marching his dudes away. At this point, like, Askeladd has always had, like, this massive luck. So his band has always been super loyal to him because he's been, like, so lucky that they're just like, yeah, like, his luck never breaks. Now you start to see cracks in his uh, his command structure. Um, a few guys actually start uh, talking about mutiny. And then eventually, once Askeladd, uh, Askel- sorry, once Thorfinn is, like, Thorfinn, Thorkel, God damn it, names. Once Thorkels <laughs> and his band are like, like right up against them, <coughs> uh, they actually do mutiny, and they're like the mutineer's uh, plan is to take the prince, take him back to, uh, to Thorkel, and be like, you know, we're all good. We want to join your band. What they don't know is Thorkel is again a fucking battle otaku who's like, no, no, no. No, no, we're doing this the Norse way. So either you die in battle and glory and take your ass to Valhalla, or, or I'm going to slaughter you like a sheep. Um, <sighs> yeah, so, so uh, that doesn't work out very well for them. But uh, Askeladd, Askeladd, Bjorn, and Thorfinn uh, all try to escape. Uh, well, Askeladd doesn't try to escape. Askeladd just kind of, you know, tries to stall so that uh, Bjorn and Thorfinn can get Canute out of there, and then eventually maybe he'll escape. Uh, again, uh, Thorkel gets there, and when they the mutineers present their plans to them, uh, Thorkel and his band uh, massacre the ever-loving shit out of them. Um, all the while, like, so again, I, I talked about how Prince Canute was, like, really, you know, demure. Uh, like, he, this is a guy who, you know, likes nothing more than cooking and, you know, like, you know, peace and stuff like that, and, you know, course he had the sounds like a good guy he has the extreme misfortune of being born into a dent like a, a royal house of denmark in the 11th century <laughs> sure uh and uh I, I i kind of i yeah i completely miss this but in the in the the running away from thorkel the first time uh ragnar is killed uh, and it's Askel, uh, Ragnar is Canute's caretaker, really his father figure. Um, actually, no, this wasn't the first time. This was, uh, yeah. So af- when they're running away from, from Thorkel after he finds them, uh, Askeladd has Ragnar killed. Because Ragnar figures Canute needs to be, needs to, you know, be let off the leash. He needs to be a strong leader because right now none of his men respect him. Um, so they have him killed. and. Uh, can, like Canute, when they're uh, this is after uh the mutiny and stuff like that. When they're running away, uh, and Canute is watching 
Bjorn fight the mutineers like he eats a berserker mushroom and he's just like fucking up these dudes um uh canute kind of has like this moment where this is okay i probably should have said this beforehand because i've done it enough already but massive spoilers if you're going to watch this don't listen or you know what fuck it watch it anyway anyway (laughs) uh so canute has this moment where uh like the ghost of ragnar comes before him and like all these kind of memories like come flooding back he's like i'm sorry you know like ragnar's like i you know i couldn't say goodbye to you in person and all this stuff it's this really great emotional moment that like got me when i was reading it in the manga and they translate it so fucking well because like like canute's dad is is the king and well the king of denmark and he's an asshole uh but like ragnar had always been like that you know that that actual father figure to him, like took him hunting, took him fishing, taught him how to cook, taught him how to read and write and all that, all this kind of stuff. So this was the, the goodbye from his actual dad. Like, well, you know, his mm. adopted father. Uh, and it's super mm. emotional. It's so good. But after that, there's this awakening moment for Canute, who's like, you know, like, because uh, he's, he's kind of at odds with, uh, you know, with both the North religion and Christianity. And he's like, if, if nobody's going to save us, we're going to have to save ourselves. And, uh, you know, cause all he's ever seen is fighting and, you know, massacres and death and shit like that. Um, so he actually stands up and gives this really great monologue that I don't want to cover. Cause it's, it's great. You have to watch it. Uh, he actually, he calms down Bjorn who's in the middle of a berserker rage. Um, and is able to actually rally, like still on the mushrooms. Yeah, he's, and he's, yeah, he's still like he he actually for like just through sheer fucking will, like you know, calms him down, <clears throat> and he gets the mutineers Bjorn and uh, uh, and them to to head back. He's like, no, 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 I don't give a shit. You know who's quote, who's quote unquote my caretaker. Uh, I'm going to stop all this war and all this bloodshed and all this nonsense by becoming the king. Like, this is his resolute moment. Um, while hmm. that's happening, uh, Thorfinn is having a, his second duel with uh, Thorkell, which was my fight of the season and might be my fight of the year last year. Hmm. Um, nice. It was fantastic. Uh, Thorfinn fights uh, Thorkell, and Thorkell just, like, he gets a few good looks in, uh, Thorfinn. Uh, Thorkell whoops his ass. Like, throws him up like launches him into the air so so high that when he comes crashing down he breaks his arm like and it's it's pretty graphic too like he breaks his arm pretty (laughs) if you're squeamish yeah that's it's pretty nasty um but uh like uh oscalad's waiting there because uh the the reason they're they're dueling i I should have mentioned this was thorfinn came back because he thought that uh Thorkel was going to kill Askeladd and Thorfinn's like no 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 that's my kill like I'm going to kill him in a duel for killing my father all those years ago um so they're dueling over who gets Askeladd uh, after the duel and it's you know very very clear that Th- Thorfinn has lost uh that's when Canute comes up and he's like look you guys are all idiots stop fighting <laughs> you're all going to be my you know my retainers from this point onward and you know uh uh Thorkel, uh, like is actually impressed by his uh 
reasoning skills. Uh, Thorkel actually loses an eye in this fight uh, to to Thorfinn. So they're bandaging him up and and they're you know you know fixing Thor uh, Thorfinn's arm and stuff like that while Canute is like you know you guys are all stupid. I'm going to lead you know this world into a new era of you know peace and prosperity and shit like that. Um, so uh, and this is kind of like I'm gonna kind of go off on the side note here. Uh, this is where real history and historical fiction actually kind of tie together. We don't know why. But like the the actual person Thorkel did fight for the English for a little while, but I hmm. like I haven't been able to find why. But for some reason, at some point, he's fighting then for Canute later on. So I'm kind of wondering if if there is historical precedent for this, or if this is just something like we have we just have you know uh, like primary documents of like I don't know like usually you get like. Uh, like a army muster or something like that or like a like it's usually something like that um uh that show that like he was fighting on one side and then at some point he was fighting on another uh so it could just be that the author knew that aspect that you know and then just wrote in a story in the in-between like made thorkel out to be this uh this battle otaku who just uh just wanted to fight no matter who it was anyway so yeah, interest interesting little historical side note. <coughs> it's kind of fascinating to listen to these reviews from I mean, you are obviously the perfect person to look at this show because I don't <laughs> know that I would have made any of these connections. <laughs> yeah, that that is a, a fair point. Like take this with a grain of salt that I absolutely love history and will look at this kind of stuff when I watch this kind of stuff. Not always. Sometimes yeah. I get bored, I but mean, I mean more often than not it's super cool though because it sounds like the creators of this show had the same appreciation for the history as you do oh yeah um so this show was like made for you almost <laughs> but uh but. the last so the last arc uh is uh canute going to meet with his father uh in fuck i can't remember where it was essex somewhere in east eastern um i can't remember exactly where they go uh somewhere in eastern um in eastern england um that's where the you know uh the king has set up his his um his throne you know for the winter uh this is uh king suen forkbeard who is again ascertainable history <laughs> <laughs> yeah that name but uh uh they get there uh and they actually anticipate um they they set up a fake assassination attempt to kind of force the king's hand into like you know into a, a, like this a grandiose display of um of uh happiness that his son's back even though he's you know not happy um so he you know uh he starts to give out rewards for the um the men who did well in the campaign the last year. Uh, this is actually called ring. Like, like this would make him what was called a ring giver. Like, a really uh, kind of cool that they showed this because uh, it's something you hear about a lot in like um, ancient English texts and stuff like that. Um, but uh, like, so in the course of giving out these rewards, he mentions that he wants to take Wales. Uh, now. Canute has promised Askeladd that 
you know, they won't touch whales. Like that was Askeladd's one thing. Like I'll serve you, but you cannot touch whales. But because Canute's not king yet, he can't really do anything about that. And Sue, like King Suen is like, you know, next year we're marching into Wales. Um, and, you know, he notices that kind of pisses off Oscalad. Um, this is kind of where it takes an interesting turn. Uh, this is the end of the show. Again, massive spoilers. But wow. uh, Oscalad is, uh, is kind of at odds. Just like, fuck, what do I do? Uh, you know, we've been setting up all these, you know, brilliant political maneuvers and I'm kind of undone just in like the first, one of the first things the king says at this banquet. Uh, so he endeavors to um, essentially commit suicide. Uh, he, what he decides to do <laughs> is act like he's gone mad. Or act like he was a kind of like a spy or an assassin. Uh, he kind of gives a speech about how you know shitty the king is, and actually lops off King Suen's head, and then <laughs> and then proceeds to fight the entire hall of of uh, you know Scandinavian lords, um, and he does pretty well. Kills a lot of them, um, but uh, uh, Thorfinn, who okay kind of go back a little bit in this time he's lost a duel to Askeladd pretty pretty handily uh he ends up going uh get, getting thrown in jail for you know kind of just being an idiot um <laughs> but he when he gets out uh he's um he has kind of like this offer on the play it's, it's almost like he's given he's he's given redemption Leif Erikson finds him and it's like, I've been looking for you for so long. I want you to go back. You know, your mom, she's still alive, but she's sick. Your your sister, she's, you know, Yulva, who I didn't even mention, but she's got this really great episode. Um, we only see her like once after Thor's does. Anyway, uh, like Yulva's like, you know, married. She's got kids. You know, they probably want to, you probably want to see your nephews and nieces or whatever. Um so there must have been romance if she's married and had kids. Oh, yeah, <laughs> off screen. Yeah, sure. If you want, if if you want to watch this and use your imagination on which which of the little pissant, uh, which of the little pissant uh, shepherds she gets with, despite none of them deserving her because she's fucking amazing. Um, then sure, you can imagine that. Uh, what was I going to say? But yeah, so like, uh, Thorfinn is is offered redemption in one hand. Um, uh by leif erickson and it's like he's actually on the boat like he gets on the boat like he's kind of defeated he's just like you know well fuck that was probably my last duel because As you know, Askeladd just he's unbeatable uh but instead he decides to go to the hall um uh, where you know all this is happening and he watches uh Askeladd get you know the the fatal blow essentially get he gets stabbed um and he breaks in there and like, you know, has this shouty moment where he's like, you're not allowed to die. I'm supposed to kill you. So essentially he watches what's like, what, like seven, eight years worth of like just nothing driving him but revenge, like just gone like that. And he fucking loses it. Um, uh, Thorkel by this point is kind of like done with 
Thorfinn. He's like, uh, you're pathetic. You know, you're not, you're n- nothing like your father, all this kind of stuff. I know where it goes from here. I'm kind of hoping they adopt that pretty well too. I wasn't a huge fan of where Thorfinn goes after this, but that's essentially where it ends. So Canute is on the rise. He's uh, after, after uh, Askeladd's death and his, you know, father's death, he basically, you know, says, uh, look, I'm in charge now because I'm next in line for the throne. And, you know, the other person who's next in line for the throne is an ocean away. So I'm going to take over the army. <laughs> and what we're doing now is we're in, we're not marching on Wales. That's stupid. We're going to consolidate our gains here in, in England. Um, and you're just kind of left with, like, all these characters. Like, there's more. There's clearly going to be more. But I'm not sure if they're going to do more i'm not sure how well it did i'm so worried that it didn't do well because it was but it was such a good adaptation like every fight was like more amazing than the last honestly um uh i don't know how to what else to say just all the all the voice acting was great the animation was fantastic um yeah this was probably the best manga adaptation i've ever seen and I say that with another manga adaptation coming up, uh, but <laughs> yeah, but this this is the best, like hands down. If they can recreate this and just do the whole, like there are parts of the upcoming stuff that uh, I, I'm less fond of. So I don't know, maybe, maybe if they leave it here, but like because this this is this, these are the storylines that I was like, holy shit, I need to keep reading this manga. And they did it less so, fond so of well. in the sense that you just don't like the way the story goes, or like what? Nah, just don't what? like the way the story goes. I like what's like gotcha. some of the character arcs. I think they could have dropped some of the characters, honestly. Um, hmm. But I I do love a lot of these characters, uh, and the fact that it's I mean it's it's just nice that it's set somewhere else. You know, I I would actually love to hear a dub for this. I would be really interested in what a dub for this sounds like because it's set in, uh, you know. 11th century england i mean this is a really interesting time i mean this is this is where we got a, like a lot of <laughs> a lot of the fucked up parts of english start here because <laughs> you know if you get a dub for this it's going to be americans trying to sound british oh, please don't please please don't yeah <laughs> oh that's the fucking worst just just sound english or just sound american just just use your own accent for fuck's sake <laughs> this will ruin the the Final Fantasy fourteen uh dub, like dub for me. It's like I can't stop. Like, yeah. I can tell you're not English. Stop it. <sighs> but what if I talk yeah. like this? It doesn't sound uh, good yeah. to you. <laughs> Hello, Gapta. I can hear Stephen cringing. Yeah, I know. Hello, Gapta. <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> okay, we need to stop. <laughs> But, but yeah, I, I I really I cannot recommend Vinland Saga enough. I mean, granted, if 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 like it's a lot of violence. I won't say gratuitous. Like when people say gratuitous violence, they, I don't think they understand that gratuitous means it's uh, unnecessary. This it it's telling a story. It's very necessary to the story because this is what the times were like. I mean, if yeah, if you go into a show about Vikings and in that period of time. Expect there to be a lot of death and rape. Yeah, I mean that's just what happened. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, it, it's but yeah. it's it's such an interesting like two like dichotomy of worldviews. I mean, we're talking about the last great pagan power against you know the emerging you know Christian yeah. world, which 
like the like the different worldviews, the different I don't know, uh, like aspects, like thoughts on like right and wrong, and and just how the world works. It's really fascinating to see animated because I you know I I'd seen it you know I've I've read Vinland Saga at least this first part countless times, um, yeah, and I love it. I really can't recommend it enough. Uh, this is a five for me. It it awesome. actually breaks That's my top five. Weird. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a masterpiece. Uh, masterpiece. Okay. So this next one um, is kind of an, uh, an interesting case. Um, I don't think I'm actually going to review it. I think I want to wait until you guys have seen it so we can all kind of talk about it. I feel like I should almost open this because this is my show. It is your show, yes. <laughs> For those of you that remember, I drafted Beastars. Um, unfortunately, Netflix got Beastars, and we all know what happens when Netflix gets a show. At least in America. Yeah. At least in America. Months. Um. Yeah, uh, this show, the reason I drafted it was it just seemed really interesting. Um, it, the PV for this was awesome looking. Uh, the kind of, the character designs were weird and really off-putting, but the way that they presented kind of the story and the PV and it appeared to be really well done. Uh, so I was just really curious about it. Logan, what about, the, uh, what about the character designs was weird to you? The fact am- that they're anthrop- all animals? Yeah, basically, you know, <laughs> bipedal animal people um not uh you know anime obviously has a different take on animal people than you would expect uh as a non-anime fan and that basically it's human beings with animal ears this is just animal people (laughs) uh which i i didn't mind obviously it's weird and off-putting because you're not used to it but um obviously you could tell it was well done and the way that the PV presented it, I was really curious about it and kind of excited for it. I'm still excited for it when it comes out on Netflix. Logan, you got a nice opportunity to uh, actually yeah. see this. So when we went to Japan, uh, I think I may have mentioned this on the, uh, the Japan trip cast, but um, Eric and I checked uh, Netflix on our various devices. I checked on my phone. He checked on his laptop and we found that we were actually able to download these stars from Netflix over there um, because it's all out. And it even had English subtitles. Yeah, so nice. my plane ride home, I think I watched about eight or nine episodes. Um, and then we finished up the, uh, the rest of the series once we got back um, because Eric left his laptop in airplane mode. So it didn't take it away. Um <laughs> That was that was good thinking. Yeah. So, yeah, I got to uh, watch this show. Um, kind of the interesting notes. It's done by Studio Orange, who did Land of the Lustrous. Um, this is also an all three D anime, um, but it's done so well. Um, I believe Orange did Land of the Lustrous. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me. I'm just checking. Who did? Did they not do it? I thought they did. Let me see. 
Land of the... Uh, no, they did Plus. it. Okay. I'm just not seeing it for Yeah, I was reading. confused too. I was like, look, <laughs> like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's them. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So, Orange did it. It's all CG. Uh, 3D CG. Um, but it's very well animated. Uh, and it's not jarring at all. Um, they do a very good job of kind of blending um, the characters in the backgrounds together. Um, I think it has something to do with the way that the characters are outlined. I don't think it's black outlines. I think it's kind of a more hmm. natural outline, which kind of makes it less jarring uh, for the CG. Yeah, yeah. The CG just in the PV, it felt it felt really natural looking. It didn't it didn't it didn't feel like the characters were on a uh, a layer in front of the background mm-hmm. that you kind of see a lot with CG. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to kind of hit on kind of the, the main plot and my initial thoughts coming out of it. Um, and then when you guys finally get around to watching it, then we can, uh, review it in full. But, uh, the, the kind of the premise here is, uh, all these characters are in high school. Um, our main character, Lagoshi is a wolf, um, a gray wolf, I think is the uh, the species that he is, um, and he is a junior. So I think he's got one year after this one. He might be a senior, though. I'm pretty sure he's a junior. Anyways, the show kind of starts out by um, this sheep character named Tem um, being murdered by some other person, some other animal person, um, and it's kind of implied that. It's a wolf of some kind. At least that was the impression that I got. Um, uh, but we come to find out that this school is kind of divided into two groups. There's the carnivores and the herbivores. Um, carnivores being, you know, wolves, tigers, uh, dogs, um, those kinds of animals and herbivores. Being like deer, uh, I don't know. You can think of animals on your own. I can't think of any right now. <laughs> um, Tortoise, uh, rabbits. That that was another important one because uh, one of our main characters <laughs> named Haru is a rabbit. Um, yeah, I remember her. Yeah, I was. I had no idea really what to expect coming into this show. Um, I think that's probably a good way to kind of go into it. I would say some themes going into it that, you know, are worth knowing. One, it does take place in high school. Um, Two, there, I think it's a very interesting take on uh, race and class division. Hmm. Um, And kind of uh, uh, like interracial relationships. Um. I think those are some very important themes and some themes that they handle very well. Um, and I think I want to kind of leave it at that. Uh, I think it's very good. I think it's definitely worth watching. Um, it's a shame that it's not out quite yet. I think it comes out mid-March or something like that. Um, in the States. Let me see. Yes, release. 
Just want to give another big F you to Netflix. Yeah. March 13th is when it comes to Netflix in the States. So that's, that's amazing uh, too. Like that, that in Japan, they have subtitles. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, subtitles. why, why can't we just get that? Like, yes, that, like, what are you doing to it that we, we have to wait on it? Are They're dubbing it. I'm pretty sure that's what are it you is. Serious? I'm pretty we sure. Just get the dub is, yeah. later. <laughs> I know. I, I completely agree. <laughs> Yep. It's not like people who like dubs uh, aren't going to like, oh, no, I've seen the sub. I'm full now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't understand Netflix's uh, philosophy on releasing anime, but whatever. I think I can actually, because um, I do have Netflix. I wonder if I could just use a VPN to be like, I'm in probably. Japan. Probably. Yeah. Um. But you just, you know, three more weeks and then you could just watch yeah. it normally and not have to worry about I, I that. I should have thought of that beforehand. I don't know why I didn't. Yeah. Because uh, honestly, <laughs> when I was in, when uh, the last day I was in Japan, like I was thinking about getting Beastars, but I had just recently canceled my Netflix and I didn't want to call up my family and be oh, like, gotcha. you know, hey, can I get your Netflix info? So I was <laughs> VPNing as if I was back in the States to to be able to access Verve and Funimation <laughs> because uh, you can't access them in Japan, so that I could download weird. stuff for the for the plane ride. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, the hoops we jump yeah. through sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I think you may have. I I would probably have downloaded this. I didn't even think to check Netflix before I took off to download stuff. But this was probably something I would imagine you did either the night before you left or the day you left. Uh, it was yeah the day be- the day before the night before. Um, yeah, we were all kind of just yeah. hanging out in the room that day. Yeah, yeah. But just uh, I think Eric downloaded also like what was it? Dora Hedora or something like that. Some other Netflix show um, that's coming out this mm-hmm. season. Uh, that didn't have English subtitles, so I think they maybe add those after it's done releasing. Oh, okay, maybe. Um. But if there is a show that, you know, if you're in Japan and you're like, man, I need something for the, the plane ride home. And there's a show that came out the season prior. Give it a look. It might have uh, some uh, subtitles and you could probably watch it on the plane. And if you're in Japan, yeah. get a crepe. Get a crepe. Oh. Yes. More crepes. <laughs> More crepes. Oh, I wanted to get pancakes. We should have gotten pancakes. Oh, shit, you're, I'm, I mean, what are we doing? I mean, we could, I mean that's something we could make. <laughs> I can't make a crepe. I feel like a Japanese pancake is something else, <laughs> you know. It's different. It's Go different. to IHOP. Get one of the ones with all like the well, when they put all the shit on top of it. I think that's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if you, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know either. I do know they eat pancakes for like, like not for breakfast, but like snack. Yeah, that's yeah. probably like it. what you should have pancakes for, because like you know having something that heavy for breakfast probably isn't good. But we're America. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> Yeah, we got one more show to talk about. Uh, This is a show that I drafted back in summer, and that is Fire Force or NNO Shobutai. Um, Carlos, I know you're a huge fan of this manga. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, I actually uh, watching this. I went over like what I've read. Like, yeah, oh really? Because I. Recently, I haven't been buying manga as much because, uh, mm. you know, I can't really. So I haven't been like Fire Force is sure. one I want to buy, you know, all the like because I'd like to have like a complete copy of it. 
Um, but I haven't really been reading it. I normally the ones mm. I read that uh, you know uh, are either ones that I can find on the Shonen Jump app or uh, ones that you're not going to find in the states anyway. So you know by various means of telekinesis, I'm able to find them. You know through psych- psychic <laughs> means, cough, psychic cough. means, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an esper. Anyway, I see. <laughs> But yes, you have to teach me something. <laughs> uh, Fire Force, yeah, it's uh, uh, this one. Uh, David Production did this one. Uh, it's written yeah. by the same guy who does Soul Eater. Uh, if you are a fan of the Soul Eater franchise, uh, I know that uh, Senior Kube is. Um, and it was uh, directed by Yuki Yase. Um, yeah. Uh, so, have either of you guys read any of the manga or no? I was going to blind. I went, yep, in blind. I knew that you spoke very highly mm. of it. Um, and I thought the premise sounded really interesting. Uh, yeah. Fighting fire with fire. Yeah, we were we were actually at uh, the AX panel where, um, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it? Uh, we got to watch, mm-hmm. what, two, yeah. three episodes? I think it was two episodes. Was it two? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we got to watch uh, two episodes, and we got to uh, o- Okubo, the you know the mangaka. He um, w- actually talked a little bit about it, and I really enjoyed. Like I, you know, I enjoyed the manga beforehand, but I enjoyed his his spiel that you know he wanted to create something that you know kind of, uh, if not glorified, then at least gave props to firefighters as you know heroic individuals, uh, even yeah. though. A good portion of uh, the anime is given over to uh, conspiracies and governmental nonsense uh, involving yeah. uh, some firefighters. Uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, did you <laughs> did you want me to cover that? <laughs> I I think I think you probably have a better grasp of everything than I do. Uh, so go ahead. Uh, okay, so Fire Force um, uh, takes place in. <sighs> Like a dystopian Tokyo? kind of like that, yeah. So, so uh, something happened in the past called the Cataclysm, where just like massive swaths of humanity were burnt, uh, and uh, out of this came a, uh, a, a essentially a sun worshiping religion. And a lot of uh, ancient history is centered around sun worship, and it makes sense when you know an entire population is scalded into nothing that you would uh, fear and maybe revere the. Uh, fire big fire in the sky um <laughs> but uh so it, yeah it, it's 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 not really dystopian i guess it's kind of dystopian in that like it was built from the ashes but it's it's this weird like proto taisho era uh japan <laughs> like it like every like all their uniforms everything is like taisho era like except for the As- uh, asakusa people um yeah but uh and in this um like weird alternate Tokyo, uh, we have Shinra Kuskabe, who is a um, was it third generation fire user. Yep. Uh, there there are different generations. Uh, first generations are literally just people who um, spontaneously combust and they become infernals, uh, and th- those are the the beings that uh, these these particular like special forces firefighters fight. Um, they you know put them to rest and you know pray for their souls, etc. Um, the second generations, uh, can't start their own fire, but they can control fire when there's fire around them. Um, 
And then third generations have their own flame and have like a special power attributed to that flame. Uh, Shinra's power is that uh, he can make fire through his feet. So as you can imagine, he essentially has his own like thrusters and he can, he's like highly mobile. Um, Shinra is... uh, adamant like early on he's adamant to, to that he's good well actually not adamant. he just he's joining the the fire force this special forces unit um he specifically gets assigned to station eight um who are kind of like in this rundown old uh church um they're kind of like the not the joke uh division but like the the lesser of the eight firefighting squadrons um and it's uh you're told very early on that Shinra joined because when he was a child uh his house burned down with his mom and his uh baby brother inside and he remembers seeing like this demon and his goal is to find that demon and and beat its ass for killing his mom and little brother um also he was bullied as a kid <sighs> because uh he a- after the the trauma of that event like he now has a nervous tick where he smiles like a fucking creep whenever he's nervous yeah. <laughs> he looks he looks so scary uh, so they call him akuma or you know they call him a devil um he joins uh after like like there's an like an initial fight and stuff like that he joins um uh the eighth uh the eighth's crew and uh uh among the eighth we are introduced to uh I'm just gonna quickly go over them uh uh-huh. obi uh, Ak- uh akitaro obi who is uh the captain who has no powers he's completely powerless but is just like a work a bad yeah he's actually really cool he's he's uh, he's so he's cool. uh he's like a weightlifter <laughs> like well not just a weightlifter but like he he trains his body just just immensely and he he's essentially batman honestly because he uses uh the tools of, of firefighting to fight infernals um even though he's completely powerless um there is uh takihisa hinawa who is the uh lieutenant and he is a second generation user who uses uh guns and he can like a super heat pistol bullets and stuff like that um he's kind of like he's like a really kind and caring person but he's uh his it doesn't show in his face he's yeah very very sharp personality Yeah, very kind, but uh, not not in face or language. Um, we also have uh, Maki Oze, who is Maki. Yeah, she's great. Maki is uh, Maki Oze, who is the sergeant of uh, the the group. She is a second generation user who can create two uh, little balls of fire, uh, pus pusu, and oh, I can't remember the second one. Um, I can't like the, she's got names for both yeah. of her little fireballs, but they they, they look like goofy <laughs> little fireballs, and they just kind of like they can explode or, and she uses she mostly uses that ability to um to stop other fire users like when they they throw hurl fires at her she can just turn them into these cute little characters. I usually give her a really hard time about yeah, it. Well, because she plays with them. <laughs> Maki is. Uh, I should also mention Maki is also the massive romantic of the group. <laughs> She's the she's best. She's so great. She's fucking like cuz she's she's very strong. She's um trains herself very well. Uh but she's, you know, got her kind of head in the the 
kind of the metaphorical clouds with like you know romance and stuff like that like i think at one point she she makes a little her little fireballs like she like she plays with them like they're a couple or whatever uh she's also uh massively sensitive about her you know well-trained well-toned body whenever somebody says anything about it uh she thinks oh it's always what is it gorilla, gorilla cyclops that's the one yeah yeah who are you calling a gorilla cyclops and everyone's like oh, i didn't say that um there's iris who is the um the sister or the nun for the group um i guess every uh group is is uh assigned uh someone from the church uh who kind of prays over the infernal uh gives them their last rites before they die um she's got an interesting little story uh early on and then like we don't really see a whole lot from her i mean she's a non-combatant so she's really uh just there you know to show the religious perspective of this uh of this world uh and then there's arthur boyle <laughs> who is oh, an God. idiot. Um, <laughs> Arthur is uh, a a third generation who can like who can create a flame so hot that it's literally plasma. Um, and he makes it into the shape of a sword <laughs> because he's convinced he's a knight and nobody can convince him otherwise. Um, I think I think Okabe really hates knight characters because this character is really dumb. Uh there's one part that I real like that was played for laughs like that like is interesting if like again this this went over where I've been reading so I'm not at all uh, sure knowledgeable but I I do wonder if because eventually it it's shown that like he can he gets stronger the more knightly he feels uh which uh -huh. is played for laughs at one point um but uh I I do wonder if if uh the engineer they get eventually uh it will ever yeah. be able to like create like an awesome set of armor that makes him feel like a knight. And then maybe he'll, you know, unlock a better power than just, I can swing my sword. Um, <laughs> yeah. God, man, he's, he has so many stupid moments. Yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be a dumb character, but like he is, he's sure. spectacularly dumb. Um, when he's fighting that one infernal, he's like, Oh, I'm using the wrong hand. And then kills it. Oh instantly. yeah. Yeah. He's pretty dumb. Yeah. Uh, so uh the uh the company eight is um they are tasked with investigating the other seven companies because everyone's pretty sure that there have been far too many infernals uh recently um and eventually i mean not eventually but very quickly it's revealed that that yeah that's true um during a kind of um uh, a tournament episode didn't even do an arc um, it's revealed that uh, somebody is making infernals like a, a group is making people into uh, infernals artificially like because it's usually like a natural phenomenon but people are using bugs to to do it and the guy who reveals that to Shinra uh, is uh, this kind of wild card character uh named joker joker i like yeah, joker. joker's pretty cool this kind of like 
this this immediately made me think that it was never a natural phenomenon and that, that this has all been created by something but that was just my thought you know where we started out it was like really well you, this... you do see people like you do see it naturally occur on uh, in people uh for like for example uh in uh in lieutenant Hinoa's um backstory when it shows him yeah. as in the in the military like his roommate like just catches fire you don't see anybody you know implant anything and maybe you're right it could mm-hmm. be entirely possible it's entirely possible that um i mean maybe someone else has something to do with the other you know infernals that are being made but sure. um uh there are we do see ones that happen quote unquote naturally um and yeah joker reveals to to uh, shinra uh, also that uh, his brother show survived the fire <coughs> um which will become a thing later on yes uh but yeah after the um after the like what do they call it like the amateur festival we start getting more into the uh uh investigation portion of company 8 uh the first mm-hmm. one up is uh company 5 who Ooh. who's um uh captain is my favorite character uh princess hibana <laughs> uh company five is a research <clears throat> division um and they've been doing some uh pretty shady shit to say the least uh <laughs> they actually turn uh one i think he was like a criminal into a uh a senti- oh no they don't they they take his body yeah yeah so he he's that that guy's having like his yeah. trial and then just goes infernal but, but he's sentient he's sentient yeah, yeah sentient infernal. and that was another that was an interesting argument like, cuz they're fighting him uh and i like most infernals aren't sentient they're just burning everything around them so you know it, it's seen as a mercy to to put them down um but he's making the argument like look i like uh I've technically died and come back, so I'm redeemed. What you're about to do to me is murder. Now, granted, that's a really loaded argument, <laughs> but but it is an interesting dynamic because it's like, well, what if these people sure. actually don't want to die? You know, uh, but they don't really explore that very far further after they beat him. Um, the the fifth takes takes the body um, of this sentient infernal, uh, and uh. uh Iris is actually taken by uh, Princess Hibana. Oh, she she goes to con- uh, Iris no. goes to confront her. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> the eight company eight decide that uh, um, they're going to quote unquote investigate. <laughs> by investigate, <laughs> they mean literally drive through their <laughs> their uh, their compound <laughs> and just like. Like no stealth, just fight everything until you get to you know Princess Hibana and get Iris back. Um, as, like I actually really like the animation in this fight too, because Princess Hibana's um, ability, like she's yeah, a third her, generation, mm-hmm. she can create essentially just fire flowers, but like enough of them will burn you. So, um, yeah, the motif of like the giant tree behind her and the, like the soccer petals falling is pretty incredible yeah. uh but uh and this is it's it's this is a very shonen aspect to the show where 
you know, a, a character who's very clearly going to become part of the, you know, main group uh, has an outlook on life that's less than ideal. Uh, and the main character, excuse me, uh, solves it with the power of friendship or with a punch. And in this case, it was the latter. <laughs> and in this case, Shinra just decks Princess Iwata and, and she kind of falls for him. Dangerous message to yeah. send, but I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with Princess Iwata <laughs> being not killed. So, well, I I don't know if it was the punch necessarily that made her yeah, fall for him. No, but... it, it was it was more the speech. But it's it's still the, yeah. the precedent of you know yeah for of sure. Shonen just like ah, he just punched you. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you know they they. They bring Princess Hibana around. It's actually a really nice little moment. And uh, now she's the, not even Sundere. It's kind of like a stalker for Shinra. Yeah. Um, at one point, it's revealed that she's got like some kind of tracking device on him or listening device on him. Um, <sighs> but uh, uh, from there. Almost. Uh, yeah, I'm almost more Yandere than Sundere. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, uh, from there, we, we move to, to Tamaki's uh story and I, I guess i really haven't covered tamaki uh yeah. tamaki is uh a member of company eight or company one sorry um and her power is she's a third gen but all she could really do is create e like fire ears and a fire Cat tail ears. yeah um i guess she can kind of do something with the ground if i remember correctly but anyway um and she's also has a separate power called the lucky lecher or something or other yeah uh, where that's like mostly her power where I she think. yeah essentially she where she <laughs> loses her clothes and and ends up in compromising positions uh i'm not sure okobo likes this character <laughs> uh, uh i don't like this character no honestly well, she gets kind of like a, a little bit of a story um in that uh, she is, I mean, yeah, uh, enamored with. Um, I'm not sure if he's the no, he's not the captain. One of the like sergeants of Company One, mm -hmm. uh, Reka, 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 yeah. um, Reka Hoshimiya. Uh, I just made that connection that his la his last name has star in it, and he's constantly got stars in his eyes. Um, <laughs> he uh, and she's. She's been bringing, or she brings, uh, people to him because he is going to be quote unquote teaching how to defend yourself against infernals or or some kind of nonsense. Turns out that's bullshit. It turns out he's some kind of crazy cult uh, person who's part of this like cult for what will become like more of a theme of of this evangelist who's trying to who's are uh, those are the people who are creating infernals. They have these little bugs and these like little test tube vials and they, they kind of introduce the bug to a person's skin. And as soon as that happens, the person or as soon as the bug burrows into the person's skin, that they infernal out. Um, and he's trying to find somebody who can, uh, who can, uh, how do I say this? Be touched. Handle. Yeah, yeah. Handle yeah. the bugs. Like handle the bug without becoming an infernal, because if you can, you you they they can essentially artificially make uh, these fire users, but they're looking for one in particular. 
or they're looking for one type in particular. Um, when you say handle, like they can, they can not go, they, they don't lose their minds and become like this crazy berserk fire infernal. Like they retain or they gain the abilities of some of the fire users we've been talking about as opposed to losing it. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, the infernal stuff. Yeah. But he's, so. he's trying to find specifically, Oh God, what was it called? Uh, there's like an, um, a specific type of fire uh, called the Adola Burst. Yeah, the Adola that, Burst. That, yeah. the, that the uh, evangelist is looking for, and he's trying to kind of make it in these these things. Uh, Tamaki, for her part, didn't know that he was going to be doing this. It's kind of weird to me that he would just show her, uh, but he just shows her, and then he proceeds to beat the ever loving shit out of her. It's pretty. Every evil, every evil villain needs to share their plan. With he's someone. also, it's like he's pretty brutal. Just like beats the shit yeah. out of her, and then, um, I mean, you know, Shinra, hero he is, saves the day. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and through uh, Rekka, are we again uh, informed about the, you know the evangelist and stuff like that? Um, um. There's actually like a little moment where like shit like they're trying to figure out because they know that one of the company one sergeants are responsible for creating infernals. They just don't know who it is. Um, so I I was actually kind of thrown off by this. Um, I didn't expect the the crazy Genki one to be it. I thought that was a nice little misdirection. <laughs> Did you think it was going to be the other guy? I well, I wasn't sure. I didn't I didn't think it was going to be the the bad attitude one because like you know that's kind of too obvious although to be fair they go with a too obvious one like very shortly thereafter um (laughs) but uh um and then we get like a little like after that we get like a little backstory on how company eight formed i thought that episode was was pretty good i i enjoy yeah i enjoy obi and and uh maki and hinawa like they're they might be my favorite three characters outside of princess kibana um and then uh uh company eight is is um tasked with or not tasked with they want to uh oh god they they go to asaka uh, um i can't remember why off the top of my head i think they're trying to investigate the white clad um that's right and because they there was the the meeting um with all of the company heads and the like head priest guy or whatever the i don't know if he was the king of wherever they live or something the emperor, like that i think they call him the emperor yeah um and um benimaru and the other guy kind of leave that meeting so i think they're going to uh you know going to company 7 to investigate the white cloud and see if there's anything going on in that area yeah because and company seven is is a, a different company altogether in that they're not an official company they're originally just a neighborhood watch kind of like gang uh in the asakusa area of tokyo which asakusa is actually where the sensoji temple is so if like it the sensoji temple actually makes an appearance um in this uh mm. anime um the uh the whole area is kind of old school 
So it's like where the rest of Tokyo is kind of like in the Taisho era, like a mix of modern and Taisho era. Like this is straight up old school, like Tokyo. They actually call them proto-nationalists, which I had to look that up. And it just means like, like old style, like more, more of like, I don't know, I guess emperor worship. Uh, then like they, they're not they're not in the the like the church of soul they don't believe in soul they don't care about any of that stuff um so yeah they 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 go to asakusa and uh after like a, a series of infernals uh or no it was just one infernal uh they they, they discover that uh the way that company seven deals with infernals is they they destroy wide swaths of of Asakusa <laughs> as as an yeah. offering <laughs> to I don't know whatever and uh, to the gods. I love this this part of the show. This yeah, was probably yeah. My it was favorite. fantastic. Uh, the the captain of Company Seven, uh, Shinomon Benimaru, Benimaru, or you know Benimaru, um, or just Benny, um, is kind of like this tough guy type character. Uh, who's really unsure of himself because really all he'd been is is a kind of like a street tough until he was kind of forced into the role of of uh company captain um and the like company eight's like well if we're gonna get any information out of company seven we got to help them out so they they help out with the repairs after benny maru just completely fucks a neighborhood (laughs) like an entire block (laughs) of houses um This guy is like unbelievable too. Like his abilities are above and beyond most of the other fire users. Well, we've yeah, seen he's a time. generation two and three fire user. Yeah, so he can create fire and he can control it um, extremely well. Um, yeah, I think they say he's the strongest fighter out of any of the special forces. I think it just immediately kind of shows too, because you you see him in action and you're just like, holy crap, this guy's yeah, this guy's got it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the uh like they start kind of getting into the good graces of, of company seven and even benny morrow uh when uh the white clad kind of spring a trap whereby one of their number has the ability to through fire reshape people's faces which sounds awful um awful, yeah and he creates just a bunch of clones of people with his followers uh and with these clones, he's able to uh, kind of trick Benny Maru into thinking that Company Eight are making the Infernals. So Benny Maru fights Captain Obi, and Captain Obi again is just a badass who's able to fight this tremendously uh, powerful, you know, uh, second slash third gen with you know just his like Batman arsenal of of uh, firefighting <laughs> equipment. Um, Eventually, Benny Maru is able to cool down uh, when his second-in-command uh, kind of, well, forces him to. Um, and the he finds out that they're, like, this is going on throughout the town. Like, a number of clones have been causing mischief, and now people are all angry at each other. And to top that off, uh, a, a number of infernals <laughs> yeah. start popping up, and they, they resolve it in probably one of my absolute fucking yeah, favorite ways. Benny Maru launches himself like like turns a a a guard tower into kind of like a hovering platform with his fire and it's like 
just beat the shit out of each other and everybody in Osaka is like fuck yeah why did i think of that Hell yeah, so they start fighting yeah. in the streets like a bunch of fucking maniacs <laughs> i love that resolution so much oh god it's so yeah. good um like literally like you don't know who your friend and who your foe is just beat yeah, the shit out of everybody yeah. you can apologize <laughs> later just beat just beat the shit out of each other um <laughs> and so they go after they start going after the infernals meanwhile shinra and um and uh arthur are are actually fighting uh two of the white clad it's uh art like the Ar- arrow arrow and the others i don't remember the other guy's yeah. name i mean it but... really doesn't matter he's only there for like a couple episodes he yeah, actually he, he dies, actually so. eats one of the bugs himself and turns him in himself into um uh, an infernal demon so like a stronger infernal uh and the resolution to that, Benny Maru's fight with that demon is outstanding. He whoops that thing's ass. Uh, and yeah. in the in the process of that, uh, Shinra is able to unlock uh, some more powers for himself because uh, Arrow shoots at Benny Maru and, you know, pretty much has him dead to rights. But Shinra, being the speedy boy that he is, um, is able to uh, make it to the Arrow and deflect it with his... Uh, fire feet fire feet and so yeah uh, uh com- shout out to uh hinata and hikagi the oh, twin yeah. sisters <laughs> they're yeah, hilarious yeah they're they're like little fire users that uh that hang out in around benny Morrow. they're probably part of company seven but it's never officially stated yeah man when they go like they kind of like go infernal themselves whenever they use their yeah, fire. Yeah, it's this really cool like fox mask that they get, like a fiery fox mask on their face. I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah. And and a lot of the clones are super convincing, which makes what happens later really confusing. But we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, the, the, after the the resolution there, uh, Company Seven and Company Eight, they're you know they're much closer. We, we get. Benny Mara's really weird sake quirk where like one drink <laughs> in his face is like it into the kind of weirdest smile. Not creepy because Shinra's smile I would consider creepy, just uh-huh. odd. Odd an odd smile. There you go. That's there you go. All right. Uh following the Asakusa um arc, I guess. Uh we get oh, how would I say this? The uh what is his name again? Uh, um, Vulcan. Vulcan. There you go. I'd say the Vulcan arc. That's what I'd yeah. say. Um, where the uh, the eighth, uh, they get a scientist just kind of out of the blue. Um, Victor Licht comes, and right off the bat, I was like Joker, and I wasn't wrong uh, <laughs> because Victor Licht apparently <laughs> knows Joker, uh, but he's. Yeah. Uh, He's a scientist and like, you know, a brilliant dude, apparently. And like he joins as their forensic scientist because they need one. Company eight is really unsure about him. And to be fair, I mean, so am I still kind of. Yeah. Yeah. He's there's something off about him for sure. <laughs> uh, but but he joins and, and you know, he's like, well, you guys also need an engineer because like Captain Obi is literally doing like Captain Obi. And, and I think maybe like the uh, lieutenant and uh maki are 
literally doing all the maintenance on all your gear and all your gear is super run down and old and shit and you need new stuff especially if you have captain batman you know fighting infernal so um so they <laughs> kind of resolved to try and go after the most difficult engineer to recruit considering he wants nothing to do with the fire force uh vulcan is an engineer living in a junkyard um uh and this is another issue i had was why would you just send three people uh they just send uh shinra arthur and uh, iris to go try and feel out vulcan they don't even want to want to recruit <laughs> him they just want him to feel him feel him out um turns out this was a really bad day to do that <coughs> because um a vulcan doesn't want anything to do with the fire force b it's because of uh company three's captain whose name is giovanni who wears a plague mask subtle references um uh and um and uh i guess c giovanni decides that this is the day that vulcan dies so uh um like oh and i didn't even mention that so after in the asakusa arc um we find out that uh, Shinra has the ability to kind of feel emotion through what we eventually learn is called the Adola link, you know, cause he's, you know, he's, he's got this really rare, like primordial fire. So I guess he's got this really weird primordial ability uh, in Asakusa. He's <laughs> able to, to, you know, uh, hear somebody calling, for him even though he's nowhere around him through just this sheer emotion uh in this one he feels giovanni's bloodlust and desire to kill vulcan and he decides instead of calling for backup to just stay and wait um this leads to all kinds of disastrous things uh number one giovanni gets to <laughs> drop on chindra number two uh two white clads um mist mirage Mirage yeah. and oh god, uh, it's a it's this should be really easy considering all like his name is like is it just flail? Eh, probably, I mean, they're not great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just he, flail. they're yeah. just throwaway he makes characters. A, he makes real. a fire flail, like you know, like a morning, like a morning yeah. star with a chain. The names are not uh, real inspired, no, no. Honestly. uh, so Mirage and Flail, for lack of a better name, if that's not his <laughs> name, um. They, they surround the uh, uh, Vulcan's workshop, um, and uh, Arthur goes out to to defend. <laughs> this is where Arthur goes out to. Def I forgot about this. Where Arthur goes out to defend Vulcan's workshop, and Vulcan's like, "I'm gonna make you look more knightly." So he straps a donkey head to his crotch area and and puts a a oh god, what what would that be? Like a blueprint like sheet over his back, like a cape. And in Arthur's mind, he looks real good until Mirage shows him what he looks like. Um, also, yeah. Also, Vulcan uh, apparently has a lot of machines, like uh, being yeah. a, like an engineering whiz kid. Um, but yeah, so uh, like I said, Giovanni got the drop on on Shinra. Uh, wraps him up. Says, "All right, this is kind of where we get the like." Okay, these guys want Shinra for like an ability he has. Um 
because Giovanni's like, oh, this is an unexpected windfall. Come pick me up. I'm going to, like, I have, you know, this thing that the evangelist wants. This is like Giovanni's moment of actually going and, you know, siding with the enemy. I guess he'd been doing that from the shadows for years and years. Um, uh, eventually, <laughs> Princess Hibana uh, comes and, and helps them out uh, and is taken out in the dumbest way possible. Uh, <laughs> uh but inside inside the 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 workshop um Giovanni gets inside uh and it's revealed that uh Vulcan's longtime friend Lisa has actually been like a plant um by Giovanni uh she's she wasn't originally a fire user he you know gave her one of the bugs and she was one of the ones who could take it uh and he taught her how to use it and kind of you know manipulated her into uh, doing his bidding. Uh, this was actually a really shocking moment. I thought too. I I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah. I was I was Joe actually pretty shocked by that one. Guard. Um, I I wasn't shocked by Giovanni. Like that was the one I was saying. No. Like he oh, was like, yeah. okay, that's the entirely obvious choice for yeah for turncoat. Right. Um, if the other guy, the one with like with like claw marks across his face, if he doesn't, if he turns out to not be a traitor, I'd be shocked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so uh. Lisa was a plant. Uh, Giovanni didn't want Vulcan just because he's like a brilliant engineer. As a matter of fact, he hardly wanted Vulcan because he's a brilliant engineer. He mostly wanted him because apparently uh, Vulcan's family, his father and grandfather, uh, were the ones who created this giant nuclear reactor that powers all of Tokyo um, called uh, Amaterasu. And... Uh, Vulcan's family hid the key to Amaterasu, which we're still not sure what that is. I, I mean, aside from the fact that it's a flash drive, um, but <laughs> they hid they hid it somewhere. And you know, Giovanni's been looking high and low, and you know, all these carefully laid plans. It turns out it was in uh, Vulcan's like childhood toy that him and his dad made together. A, a really cool, honestly, thing that they yeah. made. It was like a. A VR key or ball yeah, or something. Yeah, like a like know. a VR like sphere that like showed animals. Because remember, like the, the world it is still very scarred by this cataclysm. The world outside of Tokyo, we don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, other than no. a lot of it is off limits by by order of the church, um, especially a, a specific area, and a lot of it's probably just not not habitable anymore. Um, so. You know, a, a lot of things are missing, but they know about stuff like like animals. And Vulcan is, you know, like he loves animals. So this was one thing that his dad created for him that just like shows, you know, birds in flight and fish in the sea and all this great stuff. Um, so, you know, when Giovanni breaks that childhood toy open, it turns out, hey, lo and behold, there's the the key to of a Matarasu. Um and uh, here we get the first, the f well, not the first sighting. This is the first actual meeting of Sho with Shinra. Sho, again, once again, for those of you who might be lost, uh, is Shinra's little brother who was lost in the fire. Uh, and Sho Shinra has this really, uh, I can't say it any other way, this really adorable moment of just like being super yeah. duper happy to see his brother. Like, I love Shinra as a character. <laughs> I normally don't yeah. like like uh the protagonists of uh or i'm normally not as high on the protagonist for shonens as i am on shinra 
Um, I thought it was really uh, like a really sweet moment. Yeah, it was really um, good. Yeah. But they fight and uh, show is head and shoulders above his brother. Uh, we find out why later, but um, yeah. And we should say the show is like a high ranking, maybe the highest ranking like lieutenant of the white yeah, clad. He's he, serving the evangelist. The, uh, yeah. The evangelist. Yeah. Uh, so they come to collect uh, Shinra and find, lo and behold, he's broken out of his uh, his confines, thanks to Princess Hibana, uh, and is actively fighting. Um, they, like, in the confusion of the fighting and all that stuff, um, Vulcan is able to create a, a massive distraction by kind of imploding his house, um, or at least causing a lot of dust to stir up. I wasn't really sure what was happening. Uh, and mm-hmm. in the confusion, he's able to... Uh, secure a truck actually no it was uh victor licked it was a yeah, uh, victor victor yeah. comes by and he's like well, you guys were taking way too long like it was getting late so we, we i came by to see what was going on and uh victor <laughs> sure yeah victor. sure victor um and uh they're able to get him out of there um there's this really cool moment too when they're getting out with like uh when vulcan is you know helping every, despite being like massively beaten by uh giovanni uh victor's getting people out of there and like he tries he still tries to get lisa out of there it was a it was a cool character moment to show what kind of person a vulcan is you know because yeah and how conflicted lisa is at yeah this moment too yeah um i, I, I do too i, I really like <laughs> I, I i'm excited to see where that goes yeah yeah, yeah so far lisa's been one of the most interesting characters i think as far as where her where she's gonna go her motivations and stuff like that um eventually let me see uh they get away and and this is where we kind of get like because joker before had been kind of treated as this as this villain and he's still kind of unsure about him but he stops show from from you know getting access to uh shinra and the others uh because I think his what he what he say something like uh, I don't it wouldn't be as much fun if you know both the uh, the fire force and the white clad were uh, were uneven, and it was like yeah. huh so like it's some third yeah party. it's this really weird angle that's like okay so you're this weird third party and he can hang with with show but uh, barely, just barely, barely yeah <laughs> um. Yeah, I think uh, Joker, after he kind of like teleports away, calls show a monster. Yeah, which is funny considering, you know, what Joker is capable of. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, eventually they get uh, they get permission to. Uh, well, I should say uh, Victor, through his quote unquote sciencing or whatever he was doing, uh, finds out that the white clad are are hanging out in a an area called the nether which is prohibited by the church from visiting like because they say there's like mm. demons down there and stuff like that uh, it kind of looks just like a like a like a subway, subway. Yeah. abandoned subway yeah, yeah. Uh, although i mean who knows how many subways need a door like that like that's a that's a bomb shelter door uh that they go through when they open it um and it, it does it, it's uh, them going to the nether is is another interesting kind of uh like storytelling method where they're like like you see how afraid everyone is of this area and me mm-hmm. like us watching it we're like 
that's just a subway. But like, but yeah. they're so yeah. afraid of it because they're, they, you know, from birth, they're told, you know, oh, this place full of demons and, you know, bad stuff happens down here. And, you know, like not even soul's light reaches down here. Um, it, it like there's some interesting inadvertent storytelling moments uh, with them going down there. Um, prior to this, I should say prior to this, just before. Uh, because of of the the walloping they get, uh, Shinra and and Arthur uh, go to some go to train with Benny Morrow, and uh, and you know Benny Morrow being the absolute badass that he is does make them quite a bit stronger. <sighs> okay, uh, the Nether <laughs> the Nether operates like what I call your kind of typical shonen arc, whereby every character shows their progression in their own battle and it kind of plays out like the the way i thought about it while i was watching watching this is you know how when we're mm-hmm. doing a fight in D or pathfinder um with yeah. how like every action it like takes us a while to do but it's supposed to, it's understood that we're all doing this kind of at the same time that's that's yes. kind of how i i look at a lot of these the only time that they ever fuck that up is when they when they bring characters in who are like wait no you're supposed to be having your fight at the same time why are you here yeah um but I think they did a, a decent job with this one. Sure. Um, yeah. I'll just kind of quickly go over this because I feel like I've been taking a lot of time just doing the story for this. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. long story. Uh, it's 24 episodes, so bear with me, listener. Uh, uh, let me think here. Uh, Tamaki and Iris's was probably the most confounding because they it's just... They awful. fight against uh, one of the followers of the guy who can change fa- change faces, and like before, he was able to change faces and voices. This time, like he's able to change one a person to look like Tamaki, but the voice is that of an old man, and Iris is apparently an idiot <laughs> or just super <laughs> duper nice. I don't know. Yeah, it was really stupid. Uh, <laughs> at, but uh, uh, we get to see Tamaki. Eventually, after after they you know foil the plans of the 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 stupid fake, um, they fight against uh, what was he was a guy who can like create bullets like fire bullets. Yeah, I don't remember what his name was. He was supposed to be like their like number one fighter or something like that. And Tamaki beats him, and you know, credit. I'm like, okay, Tamaki got a little bit of love here, but yeah, she's just she's. Did she? I mean, she she beat him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By lucky yeah, lecturing him, and he was embarrassed that he touched her <sighs> boob, and then got the shit beat out of him by like lead pipes. The, the lead pipe bit I enjoyed with Iris, but uh, yeah. I, I feel bad for Tamaki, and I, I thought like the episode that I really liked her was back, you know, when we saw her get the shit beat out of her by that guy, and she just looked happy when she got saved and she genuinely is like a pathetic character but i feel really bad for her <laughs> yeah like i i like her i i like her in the sense that i want to protect her i guess sure. um let me think here uh we got uh we got maki uh fighting with her new equipment that was provided by um by vulcan, vulcan. it's so badass like she can yeah, she can put really her cool. little fire spirits in these two like machines. It's Mero Mero and Mero, 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 Mero. Yeah, and and she can she can <laughs> operate these like metal. I don't know what they are like floating fists kind of thing. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like armored yeah. fists. And uh, who does she fight? Does she fight the the uh, flail? She fights yeah, flail. Right. And she yeah. beats like that fight was cool. <laughs> that was that was she yeah. beats the ever loving oh, shit out it's of like, him. Oh man, yeah, it, it was really um, good. Especially because like Flail was taunting Maki for being like you know a woman and yeah, like being buff and stuff <laughs> like that. I don't know. It just it felt so gratifying. Um, Obi and and Hinakawa or uh, or and Hinakawa Hina, uh, Hinawa uh, they both fight uh, Giovanni and um, Lisa. No, it, I'm sorry. It was Obi and no. Vulcan. Obi and Vulcan. Yeah, yeah, Obi sorry. Vulcan, yeah. Uh, Hinawa's fight was awesome, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. Yes. Um, they they fight uh, Giovanni and and Lisa. And um, mm-hmm. that fight was, I enjoyed uh, quite a bit because, uh, again, we got to see a lot of uh, Captain Obi's problem solving. Uh, his, he, we also get to see some of his new gadgets. Um, and we get, you know, uh, some Lisa redemption, kind of. Uh we we kind get of, to yeah. see you know the kind of stranglehold that uh, that Giovanni has over her mind since he's had her since you know she was a child, uh, and yeah, it also had one of the uh, funniest moments in the show for me, where there's a point where uh, Giovanni is like holding Lisa hostage because you know Vulcan obviously cares about Lisa, and so he's telling Vulcan to shoot mm-hmm. Obi, and Obi's like. Just do it, just do it, and get her. And so Vulcan does shoot Obi, and then you know Vulcan gets Lisa. Um, but then oh, you know Obi God, gets up I, and okay. I think, starts yeah. beating the shit out of him. And <laughs> and then Obi's like talking. He's like, "Do you want me to tell you how uh, I was able to you know withstand his shot?" And then him and Vulcan speak at the same time. Obi saying, "Well, I'll never tell you." And then Vulcan's like, "He's wearing a bulletproof vest." <laughs> and it's just this incredible image of like a dejected Obi. I love it. It's it's great because you know, like like you said, the uh, <laughs> the uh, like Obi was so happy that he had some knowledge that over over yeah. um yeah that that image, dude. I laughed so hard. So it's hard. so funny. Um. But uh, yeah, yeah. So they they fight, uh, and uh, Giovanni's just stalling for time. So once he's done stalling for time, he leaves Lisa with Vulcan and basically tells him, "You're never gonna get you know, uh, Lisa out of like the like mind grasp that I have, yeah, essentially conditioning yeah. that I've I put over her for the past X amount of years." Um, and so there's you know a bit of foreshadowing there. Uh, Hinawa's fight is fucking awesome uh he fights arrow it is. and again he's a second generation and all he has are guns but apparently he's got a gun that has like he can use a bullet um and his powers uh that's so fucking forceful that it blows up the barrels that he he's using so there's this whole like chase sequence and stuff like that and once he has her position he pulls this gun out and they're just kind of like i i love the like the um like the uh, white clad, who's like the face changer. He's like, uh, he's like, I was gonna go in there and you know swoop in and 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 take uh, uh, like some of the credit, but I like at this point it's it'd be like walking in front of two tanks because they were just shooting at each other and blowing each other up constantly, uh, and eventually, uh, Hinawa uh, wins out the fight, um, just kind of sheer grit, but you know he's pooped. 
uh, Mirage comes up Mirage, and is like, yeah. you know, all right, well, now I just get to kill you. Uh, and Hinawa has one of the coolest moments where he flips a bullet into a fire and shoots a piece of of the ceiling out so that Arthur can come down. And Arthur shows off some of his uh, his training uh, with uh, Benimaru, where he now knows to listen for footsteps rather than attack every Mirage clone uh, that comes his way. Um, and I don't think the face changer guy gets involved. I think he fucks off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he fucks off. Because um, after that, uh, everyone kind of st- starts heading the same way, which is the final fight between uh Sho and Shinra. Okay. So, uh Shinra is together with uh Victor Licht, the scientist guy and, and Victor uh, for me, I the only reason I can see that he was there was that so somebody could explain what was going on. <laughs> like he was there for the audience and I kind of appreciated that because uh there were like it, it was a little confusing. But apparently Sho's <laughs> ability is that he steals heat energy from the universe around him, thus expanding time and stopping it in the process, which is which it's is incredible. really cool. But like, wow, that's unlikely. I mean, in a show in a show about people with yeah. fire powers, I was like, that's. It was like we needed to give this power to somebody. It seemed really cool, and let's like try to do some fire related thing with it. That's an awesome <laughs> power, but I was just like, yeah. "Wow, that's OP." Uh, but it turns yeah. out Shinra is equally OP because in the process of getting his ass handed to him, uh, he just keeps going at his brother because he's a he's a shonen protagonist, so of course he's just got to keep going. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, he's able to. Uh, He's able to, oh God, how do I say this? Deconstruct him, like go so fast, he deconstructs himself at the molecular level and then kind of go back in time and then come back. Like, so he removes himself from Sho's stopped time because technically he's in the past for Sho and then comes back. It's, it's so it is pretty fucking ridiculous, but I love it. It's so it's 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 where I like like I mean, there might be power creep in this in this show eventually or in this manga eventually, but where it's at right now, I fucking love it. Like that's such a weird, stupid, awesome power. Um. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Sho and 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 Shinra have this fight. In uh, we get a little bit more about the uh, um. Adela, was it Ad- Adola burst, and uh, Ad- we find out that what they share is called the Adola Link, which they can go into like a separate, almost like a separate universe, like mentally, and in that universe is the Evangelist. So that's a huge mystery that like cause we've seen him. What now? Now it's less who's the Evangelist and more what is the Evangelist, um, and uh, through the Link, like. Uh, they're able to share stuff like kind of raw motion stuff, kind of like what uh, Shinra experienced uh, twice before and uh, kind of unintentionally, maybe a little intentionally Shinra is able to kind of push back on show uh, kind of just showing him all this, you know, suffering in this area with the evangelist by showing show um, 
you know, their mom and him as a baby and his, you know, his early memories. Um, and eventually he actually gets through to show, which actually surprised me. I didn't think we were going to see that in this season. Um, but, uh, what do you call it? I, for, from what I can understand, there's, there's one character who is another bad person, uh, another white clad named, uh, Haumea. We don't really see her a whole lot before this, but she's got like this crazy, like maw-esque, like wrap around metal thing on her head. Um, and uh, from what I can kind of hint at from just the show uh, about her powers is that she, through some kind of, like, I guess, fire electricity, you know, is able to control people's central nervous system. So while they're having this, you know, heart to heart, you know, like shows actually coming around, um, what do you call it? Uh, Haumea, like, has show stab uh shinra in the chest and so and the sword goes like right through him um and in the process of doing that she also controls him to make him run away uh because they're like well you know this is untenable we've lost too many people and we can't we can't get shinra <coughs> so let's just uh well uh, let's just uh, <laughs> uh what do you call it get going uh and that's pretty yeah. much the end of season one outside of like they they get they get shinra to a hospital and there's they, a there's like a yeah a, there's there's like the huge like the biggest reveal i think of the entire season is at the end there when uh the leader or leader the i don't know it's the, uh, company one's main man i can't remember his name burns i think was his name Reveals to Shinra the truth of what happened to his mom and yeah. brother. Um, the you know, spoilers. Not that we haven't done those already, but <laughs> the demon that burned down the house and you know, and everything turned out to be his mom. Um, and yeah, like she was the one that I don't know. She didn't deliver show to the evangelist. It felt like she was turned into an infernal uh demon by the evangelist to get access to show yeah yeah well she um, yeah they, but, they took they took her made her into an infernal but then she kind of became a demon and just kind of kept show while they were doing the whole while the evangelist was taking him to the i don't know whatever they're calling that spirit realm or whatever um yeah yeah so so that demon that that he'd always you know uh, feared and had nightmares about was actually his mom. Yeah, that was a pretty big reveal too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, but yeah, that's um, fine. For us. Uh, that's yeah. it. <sighs> it um, it's definitely a shonen. <laughs> there, you know, the arcs are are pretty easily to trace. Um, I will say that there were characters I liked a lot and characters I liked a lot less by the end. Uh, but overall, I yeah. think the ones that I liked uh, overshadowed the ones that I disliked quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, some really, really good fight scenes, some really great characters, and a very interesting story. And we are getting more, so that's good, too. Um, I, 
I was like, I think throughout the show, I was less and less high on it. I started out really high, and oh, really? You know, as the story continued to go on, I, I, I'm not a huge Soul Eater fan. This show screams Soul Eater to me. Um, hmm. it, it, you can tell it's the same guy. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah, it just didn't. The more, the more kind of crazy we got with the Shonen nonsense, the more I really just was not interested in what was going on with the show it was enjoyable like i had fun with it but i don't know that i'm necessarily like dying for the next season like i'm okay (laughs) at this point uh and the mysteries as they started as they started to peel back the layers of what was happening with with the universe and everything i found myself kind of disappointed with how things were happening um the whole kind of uh um, the fact, like, I kind of liked the idea originally that the, f- the, f- the fire, uh, the infernals and stuff were natural causing and, and everything, but they started creating this kind of internal struggles and conflicts with the white clad and the, um, the fact that a lot of the fire companies were, you know, corrupt and, on one hand, I was really interested, but then as they started to kind of reveal how they were corrupt, it felt very shallow to me, I guess. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say that I don't want to continue because I'll definitely be watching more to see what happens. But I, the show definitely disappointed me from time to time with what was going on. And it it's super shoning, super cliche at certain points. Uh, I thought that his brother was really annoying too. Um, really? Yeah, uh, yeah. I just he just seemed like your typical little little punk. I guess I don't know. I, uh, I he is a little punk. He's only like twelve. Sure, but for that to be set up as kind of the premier, you know, ultimate bad guy for this season, um, not the premier ultimate bad guy. Because obviously we still have the evangelist, but um, I don't know. The payoff did. I didn't feel like it ended with a bang, and I was on the disappointed side considering the buildup. And I was super excited as the show was starting, but it it, it petered out for me a little bit. Yeah, I guess uh, I'm the complete opposite, where it just kept getting better and better. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and uh, give this a score? Uh for me, oh, this one's difficult. I want to give this one. I don't know. I think I'd give it a four, honestly. Uh, yeah. It was good. Uh, there were parts of it I didn't like as much. Um, uh, I know that in in the discussion chat, they were talking about how they, they wanted uh, more focus on the female characters. Honestly, the only f- female character I think they could have focused on more and better is Tamaki. Um, yeah, I think I Princess Habana was, was well-powered, but she wasn't mm-hmm. part of Company 8, so... It made sense that she, you know, wasn't around as often. Uh, and I, I guess Maki, they could have focused on, but I mean, they never made her feel weak or worthless. No. She always felt like, you know, she could she could hang yeah. with everyone else. And everyone, everyone in Company 8 to me felt like they were where they were supposed to be because they were like the misfit company. So they're kind of weaker than, you know, all these bigger, badder, more established companies, you know. I have to yeah. say, like Tamaki, I was ready to go on full on waifu mode with her after she was introduced, and it ended up being super disappointing how she ended up becoming your fan service character. Um, yeah, which just I thought that she had a lot of potential, and that was really disappointing for me. 
Tom, Tomaki was never my favorite character, so I was like, hey, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. That that first episode I just thought was so precious when she got saved and, and um the way that she reacted and yeah. And then she ended up being like the oh my god, my clothes fall off uh, whenever I'm in a scene character and it just was disappointing. <laughs> I mean, she was like that before. And, you know, let's not forget that she's the one who brought those kids to, to Red yeah. us, so sure. What do you give it, Jeff? Uh, give it a three. three. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but it didn't, it, it, I don't know. It just, there was some awesome moments in it, but overall the, the story kind of just felt, um, it felt like it wasn't going in the direction I really liked. I wanted it mm. to. So, yeah. Fair. Um, I'm also going to give it a four. I thought it had a, a really good story. Um, some really good animation at times. Also some, <laughs> pretty bad looking shots at times mm-hmm. uh but i liked a lot of the characters uh, and i just had fun watching it so yeah i think a four is the right word so yeah. there's no doubt it's a fun show to watch it really was there's a lot of yeah. really cool stuff that happened in the show okay okay yep that's that's uh that's what we covered of fall again apologies for what we did not cover yeah <laughs> and uh and we'll we'll uh We'll try not to have um, holidays and and then <laughs> crazy trips. Uh, eh, you know what? We we can't promise that <laughs> until no. until uh, you know Nogizaka has you know a, a lottery and we have <laughs> to go to Japan to to see. Good oh, luck no. with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just kidding. But Jeff, actually, I know uh, I know you got to get out of here. Yeah, man. Yeah, sorry, I got to cut you guys short. No, it's okay. Um. um yeah, thanks for joining us. And, Guys, uh, look forward to uh, the winter season. I think I think this season felt, and I think overall the community has been a little underwhelmed with the fall, or uh, was yeah. a little underwhelmed mm-hmm. with the fall. I think uh, winter winter's looking up for me. We're about same <laughs> super late, but I know we're about halfway through winter already. Um, my first impressions of a lot of the shows I'm watching are super high. So um, yeah, look forward to that. Love you guys. Love you too, Jeff. (laughs) All right. I'll I'll talk to you guys later, Carlos. Sounds good. Peace out, dude. Play some Final Fantasy later. I probably will if you want to jump on. (laughs) (laughs) You know me. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, You and I, Carlos, are going to uh, continue and go through uh, what our community found as. their favorites Gasp. for the season. Gasp. People have favorites. How dare uh, they? I asked us. Yeah. I asked uh, our community in our podcast questions thread uh, what uh, up to five shows they enjoyed from the uh, from the fall season. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, just count a few of them. followed that. <laughs> Some didn't. Yeah. Um, I'm only gonna say five. I'm only gonna say five, even if you put. Yeah. More so if five, it was, if you're your first five, pretty much the only your first thing we're five. Saying. So Meowth nine hundred. Okay. Uh, she replied with Grand Blue two, Radiant two, uh, My Hero Academia four, Food Wars, and B Stars, and a bunch of other shows. <laughs> uh, are we reading out the whole thing or just what? Uh, sh- you can. You can. Yeah, let's read out the whole thing. All right. Why not? Yeah, why not? Screw I it. mean, we got the group watch coming up, so I'm not going anywhere. Sure. Um, yeah. Although I should probably eat something. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Companion Cube. 
uh, mod on the Discord. It says, uh, it was pretty, it was a pretty mess season for me. Agreed. Beastars is a, an anime of the year candidate and Fire Force eventually became awesome. Everything else I watched was okay at best. Fairy gone, disappointed. Rifles Beautiful was about a sport that looked more fun to do than watch, probably. Uh, and No Gun Life wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I had, uh, and I hard drop stars a line. Uh, yeah. I mean, given what Jeff said about it, I probably would have too. Yeah. That sounded rough. Uh, Manson says Ascendance of a Bookworm, which is definitely a show that I want to check out. It looks awesome. Uh, Sword Art Online, Dr. Stone, Beast Stars, and Kono Oto Tomare 2. I'm so, I'm, I actually have not watched that show. I'm really sad. Yeah. Because I love the first <laughs> season of it. So uh-huh. I'm, I'm glad that people are, are high on it, though, uh, because yeah. um, it makes me want to go back and watch it. Okay. Ayu says, I don't, th- I don't think I even have five. It was a very weak season for me. Uh, Psychoto Club, No Guns Life, uh, Boku Ben 2, and Fire Force. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's see. <laughs> Seth says, Ascendance of a Bookworm and Dr. Stone really hit the nerd side of me. Um, SAO finished up the season uh, with a pretty hype battle and a terrible cliffhanger. Welcome to Demon School uh, was his surprise of the season. And Vinland Saga ended the core incredibly well. According to him, and I think you. Woo! So I agree, Seth. Yeah. There's your five. Your, <laughs> There's your six one doesn't make it. Yeah, your six one. Your six one gets to languish in the hell of not being mentioned by us. You know how how what a terrible fate. Yeah. Not being mentioned on a podcast. Um. Or your honorable mentions. Or your honorable mentions. Yeah. 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 yeah, this is how we get this is how we get audience. We 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 be mean to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's called uh, negging, right? Negging. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning. We're learning. Yeah. Jocko Geek says, "I don't know if I'm too late, but let's see." Ascendance of a Worm was uh, a great expansion of the isekai genre. Uh, I love the science of Doctor Stone. Finland Saga had really great last quarter. Woo! Um, and I mean, really, really great. Yes, thank you. Um, Orisuke was uh, a really nice harem subversion. I agree, if not for that ending. Uh, that's, that's the five you get, man. Your last one your last one gets the language. What What did he say, listeners who aren't part of our Discord community? You'll never know unless you join. Uh, you could actually read that last one, because that would be his fifth. Oh, would it? I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn it. You're I was so cool for like the, a second. The hate so much. Yeah. Oh, I was so cool for a second. God, now I'm back to being Carlos. Have nice things. Yeah. <sighs> damn it. God damn it. And, you know, well, his fifth one is also also liked. We never learned. Sorry, Jekyll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Vtag. Oh man, with the hot takes, I finished literally nothing from that season, uh, which is probably the first time in five or six years that has happened. Okay. So Vtag hates anime. Confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh steven spengo on the discord uh say it might be too late for me uh orisuki uh Bo- no. okuban 2 vinland saga food wars 4 and fire force they were all great in their own unique way but definitely the season seemed pretty light on stuff i wanted to watch uh, i think those were the only five uh wow yeah a lot of people, yeah. I I feel like felt the same way about the season, and I'm I'm kind of glad because I felt bad that I was just like, man, maybe these other shows are just really good, and I'm just not hearing anything about them because I've you know <laughs> I've been like 
at first it was finals and then it was you know the holiday season and then it was like all i was thinking about was japan so and you know love live which you know that's i mean what's different but Nothing, yeah it's just same old but yeah i, I i'm glad that and we're not too far off the mark from our at least our own community um at least the, yeah. the discord community but it, you know if you're out there you know you not in the discord um uh, and you you think that something was worth our watch or you know maybe maybe you have a different uh, opinion of the season I'd, I'd love to hear it um but yeah and if you would like to get into our discord so you can share those feelings with us or contact us on social media you can find us on Twitter at AnimeArcade. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash AnimeArcade. Our email is mail.AnimeArcade at gmail.com. Our website is AnimeArcade.net. Hit us up. We'll get you in. Yeah. And hopefully I'll see your message if you message us on Facebook. I've been I've been getting better at logging into Facebook. We'll see how long that lasts. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll just drop Facebook at some point. <sighs> maybe, but I mean... I have family there, yeah. so I, I might as yeah. well keep mine. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's fall. Uh, look forward to. We should have a happy fall. Uh, huh? Oh. <laughs> happy fall. Oh, yeah, happy fall. Yeah, happy fall, everyone. Uh, so that was uh, <laughs> uh, fall fall twenty nineteen. So look forward to our our twenty twenty reviews. <laughs> not too not too far away. Yeah, far out. Um, yeah. Jesus. But uh, we should also have a spoiler cast. Um, uh, we're also watching. Uh, actually, today we'll be starting AKB 0048. Woo! So, yay! Logan Show got nominated, and uh, look forward to that spoiler cast in the eventual future. Yeah, and there's another podcast I want to do, but I'm not going to say what it is. Oh, you know, mystery! Kind of yeah. Yeah. yeah, look at, uh-huh. look at that. Yeah. And we do have some plans for some other stuff. We'll see when we get to that. If we get drunk to that. cast drunk cat, no, I'm just joking. Uh, Let's not do that. Yeah, That'd be a terrible uh-huh. idea. Okay, I'm marking down drunk cast. Okay. <laughs> All right, um, let's let's cut this yeah. off before we, okay. we mention any other dumbass casts. Thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> Catch you guys in the next one. Peace.